What up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Black Top Podcast. We are on episode, I'm not really sure, but yes, sir. Episode one of the live show. How we doing, boys? Yo, we're live, man. What's, what's up, man? I feel like I feel like this is kind of like a, like a rebrand or like a rebirth of the pod. So, I feel like right? it is for sure. It's much more interactive, I think. For sure. Yeah. Because so <laughs> we like sometimes we're on our, on our PCs or laptops, right? We're just chilling. For real. Like, All right, man. Let's get to the next. <laughs> let's get to the next one. So I think I think let's start it off with like almost like a reintroduction. So if you guys don't know, this is the Black Top Podcast. I'm DJ. I'm Jr. Or you guys can call me Ruben. And I'm uh, Christian. Yeah. And just to give a little background, we are friends that. Maybe what, four, four-ish years ago at this point? I think Three? longer than that. We've known that. We've been long, we've been friends since 2016, I think. Oh, true. We've been dancing since 16 together. Yeah. So as Ruben mentioned, we used to dance together on the team. Shout out to UDD Dance Company. UDD Dance Co. Yo, we should have an in this thing. Oh, man. for real. Crazy. And you know, it was a good time. Had a bunch of homies in there, and every now and then we would talk hoops. I think one of my most vivid memories was during the 2019 finals. Everybody, Ruben doesn't count because you know he's been with them since from the jump, but everybody was glazing the Raptors. And I get it, you know, Canada and all that, but shout out to my homegirl, Marianne. Me and her held it down for Golden State. Didn't turn out, but yeah, that's how we got to here at this point, I think, really. Yeah, I mean. 2019 was a fun year, man. That was, ass, year. that was a good year. But, yeah, you know, here we are now with our own podcast. And yes, sir. Like, we've been, like, the last, how long have we been doing this for? Like, a year and a half now, I feel like? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we did all of last season. Yeah, we did all of last we season. Did. We did. And even maybe a little bit of. When's our anniversary episode? Oh, we're gonna have to do some research. Yeah, <laughs> we, we don't even. We didn't prepare <laughs> this segment. That's yeah. okay. We've been, we've been at it. We're yeah. gonna grind. We're gonna continue to grind. Let's start here though. Media day. I mean, you know, yeah, media day preseason, and before you know it, basketball is back, baby. So, let's just talk about what are some of our like our big takeaways from the preseason. Obviously, we're gonna talk about the Dame trade and by extension the Drew trade in a bit, but. Let's, let's start with media day. For me, you know, I think my big thing was obviously I'm a big Bucks fan, so I was tuned into that. And I think the big thing was that, you know, Dame just wants to win. There's all that, like, talk about how you don't run from the grind. Respectfully, Dame kind of, like, loses that nod if you want to be like that. But I think the big thing is just that Dame stated he wants to win. He's playing with one of the best players of all time at this point. And when you look at the team overall, it's definitely one that can do the job. But as we're going to see in these next few months, evidently, hopefully, the NBA Finals, the, the finishing product will emerge, I think. But Dame overall, you know, I think I, I read a tweet that said for the welcome party, yeah. he showed up like three hours late. So Yeah, and he came know. out carrying his kids. It was a fun, yeah. it was a fun one yeah. But, like, that was the biggest domino to drop anyways. Like, Dame, Dame dropping for sure was, like, now the season can get started. Because, sure. like, that was the biggest domino to fall. And then you saw what happened across the league, and we'll talk about everything else. But, like, that was insane, right? Like, really, we talked about it. And, and, and the podcast, like, prior, we were like, 
the idea of Toronto getting game because they were the front runner for that. Yeah, and that's what I thought was happen. And, you know, I thought Toronto was said and done that they were going to get Dame. And then, next thing you know, I turn on my phone and a notification goes, oh, yeah, like Dame's been traded to the Bucks. But, you It'll know, always be a day I remember. I remember I was sick in bed. I got like, it was hella congested, couldn't breathe through my nose whatsoever. And I just let out the biggest holy fuck in my life. But, anyways. <laughs> I think another thing, let, let's, let's talk about this. Kevin Durant is confirmed that he wants to play in the Olympics next year, as well as, you know, Curry let his intentions known. I mean, we were talking about it earlier before we started recording, but we're, we're heading towards potentially an Olympic roster that features three of the best players of all time and yeah. KD, Steph, hopefully LeBron. But not only that, you got Jason Tatum probably going to be back there, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, Bam, Draymond, yes. Bam for sure. Yeah. And Draymond's definitely going to find his way onto that roster, which, you know, I, I think you almost have to... I don't think it's that the world forgot how dominant the U.S. is based on their FIBA showing, but, you know, I definitely think you've given, you know, all these European countries, Canada, you've given all these other countries that have always kind of known that they're behind the eight ball, and now that they're starting to catch up, you're seeing that the gap is definitely, you can, you can, you can make that jump. So I think they're really going to push to have, like, like a squad... Yeah. And really just try to re-cement themselves. Yeah. I mean, the gap closed a bit, regardless whether or not they have KD and that team out there. Definitely. And, like, we talk about, you you can go as far back as, like, 2008 even, where, you know, they had a tough game against Spain in the gold medal game. Like, there's going to be teams that have, at some point, like, whether it's in this decade or the next decade, where their generation of talent is going to be way better than the one previously. So we're looking at a team like King Canada. They're probably the closest team in terms of overall talent from top to bottom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But then that wasn't that it hadn't been present for like what thirty years that they've been competing. And then you look at a team like Spain, where you know they unfortunately they didn't qualify for this for the Olympics through the Americas. No, I don't think so. FIBA they had a pretty poor showing them along with France. Them along with France, but those two countries are typically known to have. Um, are typically known to be competitive and have top-tier talent like going into the international competition. So it's like, you know, that's the thing. It's it's The gap is closed with some teams. Some teams, the gap is much bigger than others. But that's the thing. It's like U.S.'s lack of consistency has been the deterrent for them to be like, oh, yeah, we're consistently the, the best dudes on the planet. And they send in their B team and their C team and then you give other international teams confidence to be like, yo, we can take Team USA out. And look what happened, right? So I think for them, like Team USA, like that's going to be dope for them to have that 2024 team and have like the best players in the country play for them. But, you know, it's kind of a – I wouldn't say useless because they've dominantly shown it like over the last few years. They'll win gold at the Olympics anyways, but you can't pick and choose like your commitment to the country. You know sure, what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. How are you feeling about that potential USA team, Chen? You had some uh, pretty choice words when you were comparing it to the 2018 team and how they're probably going to film, like, a whole doc and all that. Yeah, I don't know. I think LeBron is doing it, you know, for the media attention. 
respectfully. I think Katie is too. I mean, yeah. if you really think about you know it being a marketable business, like Katie is a player that in the last few years I think has not been shown a lot of love. People don't really buy his jersey as much. Like, That's true. And I think it, I think it's just due to him being painted as a villain. You know, he wants to be a part of like history at this point. Like mm-hmm. because for the last some odd years, all the best players that are in the NBA don't didn't play for the Olympic team, right? <clears throat> so I think I think it is like kind of scheduled for this to be like a historic moment. So I, I do think, you know, there probably will be a documentary twenty, thirty years from now. Yeah. And this team will be like marked as oh the dream team two point or some some shit like that. But I, I think it is dope. Like it is like our generation of like players that's coming together one more time. For sure. It was like when, you know, Michael Jordan was joining like Magic and Larry, like when they were on the tail end of their career. I'm sure like maybe that'll be Anthony Edwards or something, like that'll be the equivalent. Yeah. Like that's just kinda how it is. Or Jason Tatum, you know, like kind of the passing of the torch and then we'll have the cycle will continue definitely 2008's the best American team you think they've ever like created <sighs> yo echo, our Amazon device is <laughs> going Amazon off here Alexa popped off but I mean when we, when we look at it 2008 okay. had some 2008, dogs. 2008 had some dogs for me the 92 team absolutely insane but it's hard to compare that team because the generation of like the, the style of play from those generations are different than sure. the one now but I'd even go as far as to say like the 2012 team was pretty dirty too Ooh. that team was pretty yeah. dirty too where I think their point guards were uh, CP and Darren Williams I mean oh. they, that's what they had for yeah I mean, and that was like that's Darren Williams when there was still a little bit, you're a little bit past it, but there was still that argument that it was him or CP. Him yeah, or CP is the best point guard. Yeah, league. that was that was a hell of a that was a hell of a debate back then. That was, that was Darren Williams versus CP three, and it's crazy like how CP's longevity kept up compared to Darren's because he he had a hard fall after he joined New Jersey, now known as Brooklyn, but like that 2012 team was so well built, especially because that was when they had KD. That was the year they had KD. That 2008 team, if I'm not mistaken, I think Melo led them in scoring 28. Yeah, and he was off the. Right? He was off. No, no, he was starting right. He was the four. LeBron was the three. Kobe was the two. Jason Kidd was the one. And I think at the five was it Dwight. That sounds about right. I think at the five, in 2012, I believe it was Chandler, KD, LeBron. Um, I want to say Kobe. Yeah. Right? Kobe was still in 2012, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then CP. And I'm pretty sure they had Dwayne and Melo off the bench. Man, any team that has those two off the bench is uh, insane. And that's when they're at their prime, too, right? True. Like, we're talking about Dwayne Wade. They were just coming off the championship that year against um, uh, Oklahoma City. That team was pretty dirty. So, I mean, apples and oranges at this point, right? True, for sure. So just bring this back. Anything else that kind of stuck out to y'all during media day? Um, huh. Jimmy Butler's email. email <laughs> oh, yeah. What was that about? He does that every year now, eh? Last yeah, year he did. I, love, I really hope they use that for uh, some of, like, the promos for when it's, like, the Sunday night game or... 
I think they're going to use it for his image. Like, they, they, I think they have to. <laughs> Either that or Adam Silver will step in and be like, you got to find a different one. Yeah, but then, like, why would they tell him to do that? You know what I mean? Even True. though they're going to be like, well, that's... Yeah, there's a lot of uh, photos that are used for like marketing or just like simple things that he has the long dreads in too. From last yeah, year. that was... The, I, I'm not going to lie. I think that was an underrated like funny moment from last year. I think he's going to do this every year coming into the season. What like, do you think next year would be? Oof, next year? Maybe a wig? I would want to see Wait, him come is, with, like... Wait, this is wig, no? Or is he... Did he actually straighten his hair? No, I think it was actually straighter. <laughs> That's insane. Jimmy Butler straighten hair. Do you think he's going to play one game? So one you, game you think like he's going to play one game with, like... Yeah. Nah. Do you think he's going to play preseason like that? Because he didn't... He did, did he play preseason last year with the dreads? No, he didn't. He went back to his... Yeah, because I saw a thing from, like, the first practice the day after. It was back to regular... Yeah. Oh, actually, no. The, the, maybe there's footage from too. training camp. Let's see if he kept the hair. Maybe that'd be hilarious. Oh, but that's what I'm wondering. It's like fuck. Like, what do you think next next year? What do I think next year? I don't know. Maybe man. like a Dr. J Afro. Fuck, man. And I, oh, like a crazy like 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 the like wow Afro, like a microphone Afro. Yeah. Fred, yeah, I don't know. No. I, I don't know. That's, I mean, Jimmy's Jimmy. Jimmy's Jimmy. Jimmy's the man. Um, one, thing, one thing I will say, Jabari Smith uh, looks huge. Yeah. No pause. He's, he's looking massive. He does look pretty big. Um, a lot of guys came in looking looking meaty this year. For sure. Pause. Uh, pause. None of them That's compared cool. to Kyle Lowry, though. <laughs> Yo, what's going on with Kai Jones, too, eh? Oh, yeah. Oh what is goodness. going on with that situation? That brother is... Uh, I think he needs help. I will just say I think yeah. he actually needs like some support there. Hopefully, like, though, they'll be able to get it to him. But that whole Charlotte team is definitely one that's... Uh, thugs, yo. <laughs> you can't say that. Can't say that. Can't say that. <laughs> oh, bro. Hey, we got we to gotta ice that out, man. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't mean that. I think it's just a team that's lacking a lot of guidance. Because who's their vet? They don't have one. Terry Rozier? What? The if brother who was years their vet? No the wonder brother, why they. The brother who thought Osama should have been hooping? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Because he's like. Love, one... That's like a top five tweet. Wasn't it? Isn't he like 6'11 or something? No, I think Osama was like 6'6. Six, six, like, damn, Osama's 6'6. Six, six. Brother should have been hooping. Yeah, I was like, man, how could you say anything positive about terrorists, man? I don't understand. Hey. But. Is there, is there anything that stands out to me from training camp? Um. CP in a Golden State Warriors uniform looks yeah, yeah, crazy you want to talk about it. I do want to talk to the Warriors. And I just, like, now that, like, everything's kind of settled in the dust, I think, so my biggest point is I was thinking about the Warriors, and I was just, like, like uh, watching videos and listening to all the guys talk. What was What is the biggest issue with Golden State in the time that Steph Curry has been their main man and they've been under the system, Steve Kerr, what is the biggest thing that this team has always struggled with? Okay. I, I know what it is, but I want to know if you guys on the top of your head. I feel like it's when the offense gets bogged down and, like, it gets too dependent on Draymond getting people open. Yeah. And then because of that, Steph has to be more of a playmaker, which in turn, like, takes away from his offensive, like, off-ball ability, I feel. Yeah. I mean... You could argue they've never had a real... Like, I'm not shitting on Sean Livingston by any degree, but their six-man game as an... Like, Jordan Poole, obviously, 
coming yeah. off the bench in the last two years was like definitely a step up. Yeah. But to say, you know, Sean Livingston made an impact, but like when you think about the six man role in the NBA, he wasn't on the higher end of six men. Sean Livingston was a dog. Though. He was a he dog. Was a dog. He was a and, dog. You know, he he suffered a brutal injury and still came back and like hooped out. But I personally think like you got a Chris Paul coming off your bench. Like you think he's coming off the bench? Well, even if he doesn't come off the bench. Like, they have, like, a true point guard rotation. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. they are, like, cycling point guard. Like, it's kind of, in my opinion, like, more built, like, the Boston system now where you can choose to play certain guys 30 minutes over yeah, 35, sure. 40 minutes, mm. you know? So, both of you are basically, what I'm thinking, it's along the same lines, but I would tie it down to two, two ma- major things. Number one, like you mentioned, variety of offense – and part of that is the fact that, like, they really lacked some real depth impact, mm. which is, like, Sean Livingston over the course of the years that they've had. Um, and then, like, the variety of offense, which is typically, like, what they do on pin downs with Draymond at the top of the key. But I think it boils down, number one, to turnovers. Yeah. Warriors have always been a high turnover team and a team that plays very free with the basketball. And Chris Paul, at helming your offense, whether he's coming off the bench or not, you can bring him in with the bench, right? That means high point offense. He's going to be able to control the tempo of the game, and he's going to have athletes running the floor with him. Oh, Moses man. Moody, he's going to be playing with J.K. And you're you're going to talk about this. Yeah. So I'll let you speak to that. If you bring him off the bench, that that's what you have, right? And it's very similar to like what we saw with Kyle with Miami last year when he came in with the bench unit. Um, and then on the other side, like if he starts right off the bat, you have somebody. Who is a threat offensively? Who can create for others outside of Draymond? And because when you have that, right, Draymond can be used as a screener at that point. Mm-hmm. And he, what he's really good at is positioning the screen so that he can get an opportunity to score. So what he becomes now is a second man in the offense. So he becomes like a higher, like a primary option to get the ball because oftentimes teams are going to run out on Steph if he's going on a pin down. And you're often going to leave that guy wide open, whoever's taking the screen, because Draymond's not usually a threat from the outside. So that means, you know, flashing down to the, to the, to the hoop. And CP is a guy that can make those passes. He's a guy that can create offensive opportunities anytime, anywhere, any place. So the variety of offense, I think, impact playing with the bench and just simply cutting down on the amount of turnovers that they have. Because they've always struggled with that every single season. Because they play so freely, and that's what they do so well. But I think CP being able to control the offense a little bit and allowing them to be just more solid, I think will allow them to play less of a... We always talk about them being a team that can just flip the switch. You can't really do that now with the Golden State Warriors because Clay's not at the level he's at anymore. Steph can still do that, but he can't do that alone. And they don't have the same depth that they used to have, especially they don't have Kevin Durant. Um so CP allows them to play more in an even keel level. But I think that's what he's going to bring right away. For sure. Yeah, I think my thing I'm most excited for, I feel like the rotation is going to be something where CP plays the first five minutes or so with the yeah. starters yeah, and then sits for majority of the end of that first quarter. But as soon as that second quarter hits, you put that second unit in, you got CP, Kaminga, Moody. You have a lot of guys that are going to run the floor and – I mean, if there's one thing CP can do is find the open, like, yeah. it's the cutter, the guy going to the corner, or I think Jonathan Kaminga is going to be able to catch a lot of, like, He's back lobs. doors, a lot of yeah. lobs. I think 
we're really going to see him finally, like, unlocked in this offense. Because I, I think what Jonathan Kaminga's thing is that he's definitely – he's a cutter and an athlete first. And I feel like just because he's listed as a power forward, they kind of boxed him in or he had this expectation that he was going to be the next Draymond. Yeah. And that's not to say that he can't make the open pass, but, you know, if you're boxing somebody and someone especially as raw and as talented as Jonathan Kaminga – if you're not letting him spread his wings to how he feels comfortable, definitely a big hindrance there. But, yeah, I think the two young guys in Moody and Kaminga are going to definitely learn a lot and definitely be in, like, a deep, deep playoff run with them for sure. What do you think, Jim? No, yeah. I think uh, I think going back to the point where we were talking about just – I don't know what it was exactly, per se, to paraphrase what Ruben said, but just the idea of Curry having – or being forced to facilitate with the Draymond. Uh, I think, like, you see the Golden State Warriors play, and, like, Curry's not... Con like, he does bring the ball up a good majority of the time, but the ball, a lot of the plays run through Draymond. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously Draymond tries to be put through both units, but I think that also disallows for, like, like you mentioned, Kaminga to be a true, like, athletic player because... Draymond's not necessarily feeding to the other big man. They're trying to get the ball swung around. So I think really to have Draymond not be so involved with the second unit, have Chris Paul be the facilitator in the second unit, yeah. allows for your backcourt to play to the front court. if that makes sense. Yeah, a lot not, more spacing too. Yeah, because your frontcourt players aren't throwing like lobs to each other, you know. You, you don't see like, for example, this is not obviously the greatest example, but you don't see Jarrett Allen throwing a lob to Evan Mobley, you know? Like, it just doesn't work that way. That's not how floor spacing works. So I think to actually have, like, a true point guard that can, like, pretty much be your quarterback in the second unit, I think it's going to be a lot better for that bench unit. And I think people are, like, not, you know, what's the right word? They're overlooking or underlooking, like, how good that can be. Because, honestly, that team, like, that talent, like, in... The second unit is pretty raw. No homo. Yeah. <coughs> well, I was going to say, like, to that, Christian brought him a good point, though, right? Like, Steph not initiating the offense actually makes it a massive issue for other teams to guard. Because where is he the best? Like, literally coming off screens yeah. and running, running off around. Ball, running around, right? And imagine CP with the ball. So, in that case, like, you have another offensive threat, like CP, who controls the game. I think... It, the, I think their system is going to shift a little bit yeah. because it's going to cater a little bit to when Chris Paul has the ball in his hands where he can single-handedly control the tempo and the pace of the game. But I think that's perfect because we've seen multiple times too where where Steph is like the primary off-ball player. Remember in the years with Jared Jack? Mm -hmm. They would run the elevator screens oh, and stuff like that. That's like, yeah. that's like I'm not going to lie that's probably one of the most beautiful plays to see, like, run in real time. Yeah. So it's beautiful. And I think having a guy like CP to be able to do that, like, to your point, is going to create a lot of opportunities, not only for Steph, but for Clay, because when your number one offense goes off ball and he becomes that guy, he's going to garner so, so much attention without having to, you know, have take the energy of initiating your offense which means open looks for Clay because teams are going to scramble, um, and that means more opportunities for a guy like Wiggins. So, like, you drop the peg a little bit, 
but guys are going to get open looks, better yeah. looks. I think. I think the biggest thing, obviously, they're concerned is their lack of size overall. But I mean, you win with some, you lose some. Yeah, with the way they play, I feel like it's definitely a problem, but it's yeah. not the end all be all. I think one last thing I'll say is not that Draymond needs to be like lighting it up, but I think one way that'll really help them to alleviate like any potential like helpers would be that if Draymond's a bit more of like a willing shooter. Yeah. Am I? I mean, willing by like not forcing it because I just think take the open look. Yeah, for sure. Simply, that's it. Mm. Make the defense think that you're going to shoot. Make a play at the basket. I think my last thing too. I think we maybe touched on it a little, but I think people forget, you know, even though he's, what, 37, 38, Chris Paul can still get his own. Oh, like, yeah. Like, his mid-range game is, like, still elite. He is, like, probably the most confident point guard just by tenor, you know. Like, like obviously, he's not the fastest, but he's willing to take on anyone on the ball still. Like, yeah. And I think he can still hold his own to, like, I'd say 50% of point guards in the league. Probably not, you know, the stars of the league, but that's why you have someone like Andrew Wiggins anyways, someone yeah. like Clay Thompson. So I, I think even though defense may be a problem in some ways, that's why I believe Chris Paul probably isn't going to see the floor with Draymond Green a lot because I think it's more about... I think they'll definitely stagger. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I think yeah. it is about Chris Paul, like, being, like, a separate piece of offense to them. Yeah, yeah. a variety, right? Like, yeah. just another option. Oh, yeah. I mean, wait, did Dwight know that he did no, it, right? He, he just got brought in? He just got a workout in, but... Uh, they should bring him in. Yeah, Kerr was... I can't remember who They brought in so. Rudy Gay, though. Yeah, they, I, they, I they signed him, yeah. Yeah, they, they got the... Oh, man. They, <laughs> their average age has got to be, like, 33. <laughs> 33, right? <laughs> it's an old One team. It's the for sure. It's an old team. I don't think anybody's even... I feel like Milwaukee's probably the closest second, but... Definitely not higher than the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the words are old. I mean, they all said it a little bit with um, J.K. Moody, uh, but and we, we we didn't touch on that. They brought in Corey Joseph, and I think that's going to yeah, be an underrated Corey addition be too. Another good one too. Yeah, that's a great addition for them. I think you're just getting a lot of. We've we've seen how the last couple of years they've tried to double dip, but now they're starting to really get back to that like more balanced. You got one or two young guys, or I guess you got three with. Uh, pods yeah but you you got a lot of guys there who can help like nurture those guys rather than like the blind leading the blind with all the young guys they've had in the past couple they, of years yeah they've had a good off season Uzma yeah. Garuba they added um Kojo Kojo Pods Minsky is like yeah he's I think he's gonna be Dario Saric that's yeah. gonna be a good addition I think Dario Saric could be like be Elisa for what they did but a little bit better yeah yeah and even like I mean, he's definitely not going to supersede Looney, but I think you're getting somebody who's maybe slightly less better when it comes to rebounding, but I think what Sarge does for spacing the floor is going to be really important. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. All right, let, let's get into it, y'all. The, the Damian Lillard trade. My goodness. I mean, I guess I'll take over for this Bucks yeah. part. I think when we look at it, when I look at the updated depth chart, I feel like our starting five going into the season is going to be Dame, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke. That's, like, the for sure. One thing I will say, though, is, like, Pat Connaughton, as much as, you know, he's been a great role player for us these past few years, 
I definitely want to see, or want to see slash like hope a guy like Marjon Bochamp yeah. really take a big step up. I mean, we saw him in summer league. Obviously, take a lot of that with a grain of salt, but I just think you look at how he started the year. Definitely very timid. We we all heard his story where it's been a big grind to get to the league, and then now we see him in the league. He's he definitely showed that a lot of the flaws that got pointed out during the scouting process for sure need work. But I think the big thing was that he was a willing shooter. And I think when you look at the fact that you're going to have Dame and Giannis alone, not even considering Chris, there's going to be a lot of open shots on that on that floor for sure. So I think Bochamp should be one that looks to like create from there. And the fact that he's a dog defensively. You know, I, there's definitely been a few plays last year where he like locked up. Not to say he clamped anyone by any means, but you know he is a guy I think to will take a big step up. I love the rookie that they drafted with our limited draft resources, Andre Jackson Jr. You know, part of that big like run, UConn, right? UConn won yeah. the NCAA this year. But yeah, just seeing the energy he plays with, it's crazy that nowadays, like effort is like a skill at this point. But you know he's a guy that has a lot of that, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Jay Crowder, hopefully, you know. I love Bud, but he's definitely a guy I think got, got pushed to the side last year. But now that we look at how this roster's a little thinned down, he's definitely a guy I can look to, you know, being a little step below how he was for the Suns in that playoff run, hitting timely shots and providing a big body for, you know, for defensively. And Bobby Portis is Bobby Portis. I mean, heart and soul of this team. I'm excited for that. So I think the big takeaway from this trade is that you not only cemented one of, if not the best duos in the league, but, you know, we've all heard how during the summer, Giannis was like, you know, hey, if Milwaukee's not going to do anything, I'm going to just leave. You know, we, we saw that with how Thanasis even almost left, and I think it really, it's another example of player empowerment to where he uses leverage of, like, the fact that, hey, I'm not signing this year, doesn't make sense for me right now, and then now we're looking at what are we going to do as a front office? You know, John Horst, one of the best in the business, man, got, got Drew, gave up a lot of assets, but now, boom, you give up one guy. Who do you get? The second best point guard in the league right now, arguably. Arguably the 1A, 1B in shooting, if you talk to some people. You know, Damian Lamonte, I believe is his middle name, Lillard. I'm just excited <laughs> for this year, man. You know, I'm going to be glazing Dave for show. Maybe might have to grab a jersey. But yeah, I mean, I think if anything, though, I feel the window is maybe two or three years. You know, I, I think that it's a small window. They're going to have to maximize it for sure. But hey, I, I think you've secured the fact that Giannis will end his career as a buck with this trade. How y'all feeling about it for the Bucks? I personally really like the trade. I mean, you can't argue that Damian Lillard, in my opinion, like honestly in my opinion, because it could be a toss-up in any argument, but I think you got to say he's top three point guards in the league still. For sure. At least. What I will say is that I really like this trade for them in terms of the offensive identity. Mm. I think it's what the Bucks maybe lack with mm. having almost the one-dimensional scheme around Giannis, even though, you know, Drew got very involved in the offense. Yeah, and, and to that point, not sorry to cut you off, no, it's but all good. we looked at, like, the series with the Heat last year, how they, like, completely shat the bed. That was a big thing. 
it was the fact that as soon as the ball crossed half court, there was nothing they could really do. You know, Chris still coming off the injury. You could tell he was a little hampered. Drew definitely had some points there where he, like, led us to, you know, to be in those games. Forgot what game it was, but I think it was, like, game four where they almost won it. And I was watching. I was like, oh, man, they're going to lose this game. Because like, they had maybe, like, a 10-point lead. And that was when Jimmy went into, like, Jimmy mode. Couldn't be stopped. Made Drew his, uh, respectfully, his bitch. <laughs> I, I think respectfully. Respectful. I love Drew, man. I, I'm going to miss that, man. But I think half-court creation was definitely, not definitely is, but has definitely been, like, the biggest problem the last few yeah. years. And I think that's all really, honestly, I, I think that's been a problem since Brandon Jennings really left. When you look to, like, how their rosters have been, because Eric Bledsoe, you know, depending on him to create, you know, Chris Middleton was really, like, the only guy that had some kind of ability to create off the bounce. Giannis has, like, spurts here and there, but you're not expecting him to do that for, like, a whole 48 minutes, for sure. Yeah, and I think, like, to the opposite of that point, I think that's, like, a A-plus, like, improvement. Mm. Yeah. I think the one thing I'll, like, be quite, like, just objective about is, like, the, like, question mark on, obviously, like, you know, like, I think to pre as a precursor to what I'm about to say, I'm not saying the defense gets that much worse. There's still, you know, defensive player of the year and a player that's top three deep boy as well. But I think the defensive identity on the perimeter changes a lot with the loss of Grayson Allen and yeah, Drew Holiday. For sure. I think you almost have to, like, learn to play new schemes with having that different backcourt just because I think, you know, in the front court you're – you're obviously stacked on the defensive end, but sorry, yeah, I just think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to look to target the perimeter game, and like a lot of teams, like to be honest, are going to die by that trying to run down the Bucks because not every team has like you know these revolutionary three-point shooters. But a team like the Warriors, for example, even though you know they're they're not going to run into them in the playoffs unless it was the finals, like that would be a team where you would really have to learn to adjust. Because I think, like, that's where someone, like, the front court will kind of, people will try to run circles around Dame and Pat Connaughton yeah. specifically, right? Yeah. So I think they're going to have to learn new schematics, whether it be playing more zone, whether it be, like, learning more matchups. I don't know what it is, but I think Dame hasn't been the most, like, preliminary defensive player in his career. Pat Connaughton is serviceable, but... Just about, yeah. But Grayson Allen and, you know, Drew Holiday could have been considered the best back, like, defensive backcourt. Defensive backcourt, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's high-level defensive You, you trade one thing for the other, but obviously, like, because you have that defense already, like, in the front court, that offense in the backcourt gets that much better. And it's almost like, I think, overall, the trade is a win for sure. But that's, like, the biggest question mark for that team now. Yeah, I, I think how I see defensively the Bucks operating, because... I think you've seen how... A lot of help side. Yeah. <laughs> it's but a lot of help I, side. I, I think Giannis is going to have to, like, get back into his bag of being, yeah. like... He's running around. Yeah. yeah. Regarding the best player. Yeah. Because you've seen how, like, I think people have kind of forgotten almost how great he is defensively just because of how great Drew's been. And then now that he doesn't have that crutch anymore, he's going to have to, like, kind of get back into his bag defensively. So I do think... 
Because, I mean, I've seen y'all discard from the top of the key all the way to, like, stopping a lob. So he has that ability, yeah. yeah. So I, I think, it, you know, Griff is definitely going to have to challenge him to, you know, take the big assignment, not be afraid of that big moment, not that he is. But, I mean, when you look at, like, what we have defensively, it's definitely the biggest, like, red flag for sure. But that's why I think a guy like Andre Jackson is going to be great because – you know, he can be sort of like that free safety, able to, you know, switch. He's pretty big, so might be able to guard multiple positions. Same with Marjon. But I, I think I think how the Bucks are going to operate is that they're going to start the season as probably a top-five offense. You know, that PNR alone with Giannis and Dame is going to be deadly. But I do see them struggling defensively for the first, like, month or two, just trying to figure out, Okay, what are we gonna do? Who's gonna be taking like the the guard the guards for most of the time? What are we gonna yeah. do? Like, because I think the paint defense is always gonna be like superb. Mm-hmm. You know, hundred percent. You have Burke and Giannis, arguably the best defensive front court duo, but it's really like the wings and the guards that they're gonna have to figure out. And you know, I trust Griffin because I mean, when you look at like the pedigrees coming from the Raptors, the Hawks, how those teams have performed in the past, especially with the Raptors defensively. He has the he has the IQ to get it done. Fully have the faith in him, but now it's just about putting uh, pen to paper. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take I'll shift over to the off offense because like we've touched defensively, like their biggest concerns, and like <clears throat> you've talked a little bit about how there's a lack of shot creation in the, in the offensive end. I wouldn't even go as far as to say like this changes their whole outlook offensively. Yeah, because I mean, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but, I mean. We have our Batman, our Robin, yeah, and now Chris Middleton. You know he, he might be, clear, he's like yeah. the Alfred, but he's probably the best Alfred in the league right now. Exactly. Yeah, he becomes the best third option there is, and like that's our, a tough take. That's a tough take. Yeah, the best third option. Who's the best third option in the league? Actually, I might have to go to Bradley Beal. Oh man, okay. I didn't even think about the Suns. Bradley Beal might be the best third option. I think uh, yeah. But I, I mean, go to Bradley Beal. Bradley the best Beal? Third I also okay, think... Okay, well, we haven't seen him in real winning time basketball yet, so we got True. But, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be biased here, but the, the Celtics do have three 20-point-per-game oh, players now. Oh, yeah, the guy who can't go left? I, well, I'm saying Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. He's not going to have to do Jaylen a lot Brown. of left-handed dribbling with players like Chris Stops. And, I mean, let's say... Let's be, you know how good Drew Holiday is. Drew Holiday is their True. fourth option. True. Who's the best fourth option in the league? <laughs> Yo, Scotty Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the fourth. <laughs> we'll get to that team, but I'm just saying, you know. Like, no, I get it though. It's that I mean, Dame is gonna change their offense completely 100%. because him and the screen and roll and Giannis is freaking unguardable, especially oh, yeah. if they surround it with the proper shooting, oh my goodness. which they will do. Dame but gives easily, baby. Well, Dame gives them a level of shot creation that they've never had, like you mentioned, and what that does is that allows him to be, at some points. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the, the Batman most nights, if not all nights, actually, because most of the time he will be initiating the offense. But what makes it so beautiful between their duo, duo is Giannis can initiate the offense as well. Yeah. And like we were talking about with CP, the same thing applies with a guy like Giannis and Dame, where Dame can play off ball as well. Yeah, there are a lot of teams that – you have three guys on the floor at any given moment who can initiate. Exactly. I and you, yeah, I think when you look at it, it's really only the Bucks and the Warriors. Yes. 
uh, and that and that that's a whole level of offense, and that's a that's a new dynamic for Giannis, mm. and I think that allows him to get down um, downhill a lot easier, more frequently. I think that also allows more post opportunities for him, because when he gets in the paint, and he was working with Akeem this past summer, right? So paying that, what is it, fifty grand? Yeah, fifty session? grand for a session. I mean, he's got that's that. Light. That's, that's, like, that's yeah, a that's chump change, but like you know, for us, fifty grand's a house and a wedding, and that's uh, a <laughs> damn, bro. I'd like some fifty grand. I like. I wish I could have fifty grand to spend. Yeah, it's like that allows Giannis to be his best version because he, to, if you were to play off of him, the best thing you could do there is if you're gonna play off of him, run a DHO mm-hmm. with Dame. You're not going to sit back on Giannis as a lead defender on a screen on Giannis because if the lead defender is dropped back this far and Dame is coming off a curl and catching it at the three-point line, his defender is already late and the guy is dropped back so far, you're creating so many open looks. And sure. If a guy is going to rotate over from the opposite side, like a corner defender, Chris Middleton's probably in the corner, Brooke Lopez can hit the three, Pat Connaughton, a Jay Crowder, Marjan Bochamp, like, you're going to get a lot of open looks. So this offense, I think, is going to look really good with Dame. Um, my only concern is if Dame has an off night, then that requires a lot of Middleton. Yeah. There, and, and I think the reason why I'm calling it a concern is, yes, it's nice that Middleton is your third guy, but we're talking about Middleton pre-injury. So we're talking about Middleton like pre-injury when I think we should really start considering post-injury Middleton now. And so we've seen flashes since he's come back, but I don't know if he's at the same level that he was pre-injury. And I don't think he ever will be again. No, And that's something to put up for debate, but at least he doesn't have to be the the clear second option. And I think that's where a guy like Clay is going to find some success. Because he's not going to be a guy that's needed to go out there and do 20 anymore because CP's there. So I think um, that would be my only biggest concern is if, if we're talking about post-injury Middleton and it's nowhere near the level that he was at at one point. We're not. We might be, and no, like take no offense to this at all, we might be overrating the Bucks a little bit. Yeah. Just a little I, bit. That's my thing. I'm not trying to get too high. Because I think, like how we talked about, like the offense is for sure going to be good, but the the nights where it's going rough, where you know Dame's five for twenty, Giannis in foul trouble, you're going to have to rely on Chris. Is not something that I'm not necessarily I'm fully confident in, but I, I think he could for sure get it done in spots. Yeah, yeah, which I think he will, and that's why it's good that he's a third option. Definitely. Let's transition over to the Trailblazers. So, after uh, this is what they were supposed to get from the Heat when uh, Pat Riley supposedly said, take it or leave it. So, they yeah, right. they were supposed to get Tyler Hero, two first-round picks, and a throw-in contract of either Kyle Lowry or Duncan Robinson. But, instead, they have turned it into DeAndre Aiden, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, two unprotected 2029 first, Golden State's pick next year, and 28 and 30 swaps. I think those are with Milwaukee. 
I mean, first of all, that is an insane haul. Well, that was like the tally, right? The end tally? Yeah. That insane haul. Like, crazy. They managed to turn one asset to another asset, and they kept flipping it, like shadow flipping happens in mm-hmm. freaking Vancouver. I mean, it's crazy, because, I mean, I was looking at their past starting fives, even, like, before Dame, and I don't think it's crazy to say, like, this, this upcoming starting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you think about it, you know, Joe Cronin or whatever his name is, he's built, like, a better team around Scoot in one year, not even a year. Like, three, four, five months than he, he ever did in, like, 12 years with Dave. And it, it's insane, right? Because it's, like, that team, if you look at them starting their future, like, DeAndre Ayton at the center position. Mm-hmm. Right now, they have Jeremy Grant at the four. Let's see how that plays out. He's probably going to be dealt once that, uh, you know, I think, what's what's the poison? Like, the... I think December, early December is the earliest guys like that can get, get traded. traded. And then they got Shane Sharp at the three. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Anthony Simons and Mr. Scott Anthony Anderson. Simons is if, if I had to pick an MIP to start the year, Anthony he's probably Simons. Got my money on. That's a good pick. I mean, like, listen, this is such a good roster in terms of like being able to fill position by position with uh, young talent, and then being able to develop that. I think that's super exciting. And is it? I, I would go as far as to say is this team looks like a play-in. Yeah, I I wanted to say that too. I I think low end, if everything goes right, if DeAndre Aiden like either goes back to eighteen and ten or even like surpasses that a bit, yeah, they they definitely have all the makings to be like like what the Hornets have been the past few years. Yeah, really young, but are like fully game and ready for. Well. Maybe that's how they're not like the Hornets because, you know, yeah. Hornets always blow it. I, I personally think they look more like the, like, new form Utah Jazz from the last two oh, years. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's a, a good, good comparison. comparison. Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> True. Like, like, I think it's just they're just waiting on who comes to form from that team and becomes the next Laurie Markkinen because now everyone gets a chance to, like, be that player. Like, for all we know, and I wouldn't even be surprised, DeAndre Aiden, I might say this right now, might average like twenty three, and like I think he'll for sure go back to twenty and ten. I think he'll be a twenty because like, yeah. I, I think just the whole Phoenix thing. Sorry to cut you off, but let's let's be honest here. Monty hoed that boy. Yeah, man. Hundred percent. He, he was definitely the like scapegoat. Yeah. He was always the scapegoat. Like we're not gonna pretend that you know Devin Booker did what he could. CP broke down again, but just for some reason, it all falls onto DeAndre Aiden's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And granted, there were points in time where, like, he got destroyed. There were points in time where Jokic made him look like a little boy out there. But I think, you know, we all respond to how much effort we put in based on, like, how we get treated and what's around us. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think when you look at, like, how he always got dependent on always got maybe even picked on. It was kind of like a foregone conclusion that it wasn't going to end well. But I think now, another thing I will say, though, the center position is probably the one where young guys aren't going to be like the dogs in it. Yeah. I think it's the one position where it takes the longest to like really fully get cemented in. And it's right around this age of 26, 27, where I think guys start to figure it out. But... 
DeAndre Aiden is a guy I think still has the potential to be like one of them ones, like a top ten, even top five center in the league, really. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he's got the skill set for it, for sure. Like, he's got the skill set. Um, he's still got youth on his side. Like, what is he, 24 right now? I think 25, 26. Is he? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's still still a good age range. Like, there, and, and um, you know, he'd signed that extension last year or that, uh, that RFA deal last year. So, I mean, this team, this team looks super interesting. They're going to be fun to watch because they're so athletic. Yeah. And that's and very we're difficult. We're waiting to also work. to see what's going to happen with Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, and I think um, they spoke about it. Like, they were saying that they're going to keep him because they want the right amount of veterans around this team, which I think makes a lot of sense. But I would not be uh, – I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting dealt by trade deadline. Yeah. And I think I, that's I feel what's like going to happen. they're going to – Chauncey is for sure going to plug him into being, like, a six-man. Yeah. I mean, that was his role last year anyway. True. So I think that he's going to play that role for this team. He's going to play – he's going to be a veteran. He's going to be a leader. And then you look to ship him off at trade deadline when teams are looking to make that extra push for a little bit of draft capital mm. or for a nice young player. We'll see how it plays out. I think, like, in terms of this season altogether, and we'll probably touch on this later, the parity is still there, even though these, these super teams have been built. The parity is still there. Yeah. And, and I think um, any team can shift the balance with one or two moves. So, I mean, even yeah, though Yeah, that's what Twitter was saying. Yeah. Malcolm's going to, like, impact who wins this year. I think so. Mm. Um, and multiple other players, too. You never know who could be available. Um, you know, Siakam could be available by the looks of what happened at Media Day. But, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, first of all, when you look at the depth, too, it's like... It's like a good nine or ten deep. Yeah. Because I, I think you got Malcolm, obviously. Robert Williams is no slouch at all. Oh, that's right. He's probably yeah. going to start, actually. You think so? I think, well, they, their idea was that they're going to play together. And I think Jeremy Grant is going to start at the three. So, which means so you push Shaden. Shaden. Off the bench Ooh. With Malcolm Brogdon. So that's already That could deep. be nice. And then but I also feel like Shaden will for sure, like, He's gonna put up a fight to, like, yeah. being a starter. Absolutely. I think he, excuse me, I think uh, if there's anything, it could even be Anthony Simons playing a one and Shaden at the two, and Scoot comes off the bench. I nah, don't know what Chauncey's like. Scoot's going to get the who, keys. Who knows, man? Who knows? Chauncey might be like, well, hey, you got to earn your you got to earn your keep, right? So, I mean, it'd be dumb to make that decision, but mm. you never know. We've seen that multiple times before in the past where they got the good young player and he comes off the bench. That's tough, yo. I don't know. I think Scoot. Might honestly be already like this is a hot take, but I don't think it, I don't think it's far from saying top one. By the end of this year, he probably is the best player on that team. Like wow, he's just like, in my opinion, like you know all the the players on their team are like very good. Don't get me wrong, but there is no definitive like player that does what he does on that team. Like if they are like looking for a future player, he is their future player. That's right true. Now. Dang, that's like, a good on the team. I, like he might not be have the best statistics by the end of the year, well, like but like overall he, impact being that guy, he, you're gonna see that he's gonna be the guy. Like they're gonna trade pieces for. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they offload like three guys for like a top pick next year. You know, like to like have one more person beside him next year. Do you think Scoot's like? Okay, let's 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 step back a bit. 
How many players in the league do you guys think are like genuinely like untouchable? Like Giannis for sure. Jokic. Well, all Jokic. the all- Yeah, okay, Luca. I would say Tatum, Luca. Well, we can't say credit KD's untouchable because he's never. Nah, no, KD's yeah. never KD's untouchable. Uh, so I, I think those four. Steph Curry. Did you say who's Steph? Steph. Who, who are the four? So we got Giannis, Luca. Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Jokic. Jokic. Curry. Curry. And oh my goodness. I mean, there's there's, there's a few you could say. Wemby's probably in there too. Off rip. I'll throw one more. SGA. Probably Mm. at this point. I think Oklahoma City makes him untouchable. Yeah. Unless someone trades him. So Scoot gets into that like range within the year. Oh, I don't know about this year, but I think he gets into like the area of like potential that Anthony Edwards finished his first year at. Like, That's I a good benchmark. Yeah, I like that. I think it's like technicalities. Like, I'm definitely not trading Scoot for Zach Levine or, mm. you know, I'm not trading Scoot. Yeah. Would I trade Scoot for Nikola Jokic? Probably. But would I trade Nikola, would I trade Scoot for Anthony Davis? Nah. Like, no, right? Like, and then, again, it's like uh, 80s, <laughs> nah. 80s, 80s big time. But take the health aside, the dude is like 30 already. True. And it just doesn't match the timeline. So I think, you know, technicalities, but Scoot's going to be dog. He's going to be dog. He's going to be dog. What do you guys think he averages? I'm thinking like a smooth 15, 5, and 5. I think 15 is like the floor, to be honest. Yeah. I think 22 yeah. is the ceiling. I think 22 is the ceiling. I was going to say 18. 18, four assists, three rebounds. Yeah. Not, he, four seems a little short, I feel like. The reason I say that is because Anthony's going to have the ball in his hands, too. Jeremy Grant's going to have the ball in his hands. Yeah. But you, I guess if they like, start to go into their bag a bit. Yeah. But I think, I think Anthony, they're going to rely on him to be a lot more off ball. Yeah. At least I think that's how are. Chauncey's going to try to play it, I feel. For sure. I just think, like, right off the bat, his first 20 games are going to be a feeler. He may come out and be bomb for 20, yeah. but we all know that there's that inevitable rookie wall. So I think, um, you know, that's going to hamper his stats a little bit. And, you know, Scoot also does have a shooting problem. Like, yep. I mean, in terms of, like, his ability to hit from the perimeter consistently. Yeah. He showed in the summer league for that for a few minutes he played. He's a, he's a willing shooter, though. He's a willing shooter, yeah. absolutely. And that's the most important thing. So I think that skill can be developed. But I think that obviously deters his ability to be a 20-point scorer right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like we haven't seen it before with, with rookies who can't, you know, can't shoot for the life but get to the rim at will. Mm-hmm. Eric I mean, Roses of the I world. I mean, Anthony Edwards is, like, the best example right now, in my opinion. Like, yeah. yeah. He did not start as a good shooter in the league. Yeah. He, he eventually was, had to get there. Yeah. But um, and again, now he's looking like MJ. Yeah. <laughs> Physically and on the court. Physically and on the game, yeah. Like the game's aesthetically. Man, that's got to be one of the coldest quotes I've heard in a while. There's no Kobe on this team. Yeah. How does Tyrese Halliburton not start on that team? I don't know, man. See, that's, that's just more of the reason why that team kind of cheeks. Yeah, I, just, I don't understand how Tyrese Halliburton, he's your... In my opinion, I thought he was the best player on the team. On the team? Team USA? That's debatable. Not Shea? Yeah. Oh, wait, what did I say? Not Shea. Over, over Anthony, Anthony Edwards? Edwards? I might. 
That that is a good like, conversation. I mean, I mean, if you're talking out. straight up fantasy basketball, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah fantasy basketball for See, sure. Are, but are, I, are we I'm, playing I'm, points? Or are we playing? Nine? But his impact on the floor. Well, either the, way, Indiana was a good team before he got injured. Yeah, they're playoff bound. So I mean, anyways, another conversation. But true, 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 true. I mean, but overall, I do like the idea that they could be a playing team. Yeah, I think if everything think goes right. Team. Absolutely. I definitely think if they don't, they'd be like 11. They're not going to be bottom feeders for sure. No, no. there's no way. There's too, they're too talented. Their floor is way too talented. All righty, let's move on to – y'all want to do the Suns first or should we go – actually, let's just get the Suns out the way. Yeah. I think the big thing overall, James Jones is a wizard. That's the one yeah. thing I'm really here to say. Because, I mean, they went from depending on, like, K to Bates D up <laughs> – Drew Eubanks, Utah the Shooter, uh, Jordan Goodwin, Eric Gordon. And not to say those guys aren't serviceable, but if you're, like, relying on them as, like, your sixth, seventh, eighth man. Tough. Very tough. But they've been able to turn that around to where now you get Grayson Allen, you know, very prime, like, secondary, tertiary creator. Nazir Little, I think, is a guy who could really be one of, like, the sleepers in this package because – you know, coming out of the draft a few years ago, he was, like, ranked very highly in his class. Goes to UNC, plays a little bit of a stinker. Comes out, gets drafted towards the end of the first round with Portland. And in Portland, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of, like, you know, inconsistent play time and all that. But then last year, really started to, like, get it together a little bit for sure. You know, got a bit of his shot back. But now, I think when we're looking at, like, this starting five, I think he's a guy that could end up being that, that fifth starter on this team. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're pretty deep now. Yeah, honestly. That's an 8, 9, 10, like, rotation team. Yeah, so just to read off, like, the depth chart they got so far, you got Devin Booker, Eric Gordon, Jordan Goodwin as your point guards, Bradley Beal, Grayson Allen, Keon Johnson's another sleeper, I think. Mm-hmm. Josh Koji, Nazir Little, uh, Damian Lee, KD, Keita Bates Diop, Utah Watanabe, and then Nurkic and Eubanks. That's a. Yeah, I, I think Nurkic is another guy. Isn't Bobo on their roster too? Oh, Bobo too, yeah. Mm. But, I mean, as much as we want him to get PT, I think when you look at this roster, yeah. it's going to be tough now. It's a good team. Mm. I think what they have is a little bit of everything. So obviously top heavy with talent. Yeah, I think that's that's you know we, we can exclude that from the conversation because we know shot Bradley, for shot this is probably like the most high powered offense. This is probably the most high powered. Absolutely, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. There's no doubt. But you're talking about guys who fill their roster really well. Mm-hmm. Right, Eubanks and Nurkic. I mean, not whether or not you had Aiton in there or Nurkic and Eubanks. You're not going to lose a lot of that center center position, yeah. and in fact, I think from an offensive standpoint, Nurkic might be better because he's a better playmaker in the high post. Mm-hmm. I think there's an opportunity there where he could be used, similar to what a Jokic is, and in terms of just like being a playmaker as a big guy, where you can center the ball uh, in the middle of the paint, and you can make decisions from there. Um, I think Aiton wasn't great at that last year. Um, so you put him in that position, Drew Eubanks is five fouls and some defensive rebounding and, and some toughness. But then, you know, you talk about 
need to Watanabe can spread the floor. He's a guy I really hope gets some decent burn. I wish I think he will. Eric yeah. Gordon, um, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little is a, a huge addition for them um, because he is, you know, obviously a really good defensive wing, athletic. He can play up tempo. Um, I think Jordan Goodwin has some really solid ability. Definitely. Um, and so it's a 9-10 deep roster that has everything from rebounding, defense, offense, yeah. IQ, toughness. They're going to be good on the nights where, like, one of the big one of the big dogs has to, like, take some rest. Exactly. And, and, and again, like, they have guys that can fill that role and, and play that role to, um, you know, well – what do they say? The, the saying they, they use is, like, star in your role, right? And I think they have guys who could do that. I sure. think, yeah, James Jones is a wizard, man, the, the way they built that roster around. And the beauty of, of potentially moving Bradley Beal in as your point guard is kind of underrated. And from what I understand is that they're planning on making Bradley Beal their full-time point guard. Not, not D-Book? No, I think, I think it was Bradley Beal that they were going to say he was going to play the point. I feel like they're, they're going to be able to like play on and off. I think it. I think so because I I think Bradley Beal was saying he wants to get back into his defensive bag. So I mean, if he is, then he should he could be the the point of attack. True. Because I don't think as as good as Devin Booker is, I, he's obviously not a defensive. Um, I don't think he's. A, I mean, what, that. what are you, what are we saying, man? Devin Booker, seven fouls in the finals. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know about that. She. So, I think that you know. This team is really well-built, mm-hmm. considering everything that they had to work with. I don't know how they managed to pull it off. I man. mean, I remember we all thought, whoa, all the minimums? That's a pretty good squad. But now that you're getting a lot of quality back, I think it's... Yeah. Keita oh, Bates D up. Keita Bates D up. Had the perfect game. Oh, man. Y'all remember that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, really. I just, I just remember. I, don't. I just remember it happened. I don't remember what he. Had. I think he, got, he scored like twenty four. Oh man! Shout out Keita Bates Diop. We all know you. But no, I'm just kidding. Like he was, he was pretty solid for the Spurs. So, I mean, again, it's, I think you can only say so much about what they have. They're serviceable. Yeah. Outside of that, but like, yeah, quality. Some serviceable guys. But really, it's a, this is going to be a three-man team with sure. some some help here and there. Yep. For sure. All righty. The Celtics, man. How you feeling Take about your home, squad, chin. bro? Take it home, Chin. I think the new-look Celtics, this is the, definitely the best roster they've had in the last five years. Dang, even better. Best, Are best you, roster in the last. on paper. Best roster in the last seven years, I guess. Every year, what, Jason what Tatum is better than the finals roster. Better than the finals roster. Or what about uh, when it was Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum? On paper, I think like you could say like on paper, if like those players are all in their prime, that would be the best squad. But that the thing is like Jalen Brown was very unrefined at that time. Jason Tatum was still coming into his own and not really being the number one option on the team. The way you look at it now, like with every player in the current status, this team, I think, is very good. I think, I will admit, they are lacking, like, maybe, like, a piece in the front court now, like, with Robert Williams being gone. 
definitely a player that I think took on a lot of the tough assignments in the front court. Um, what I will say is that I personally love Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Robert Williams as a player, both as players, but they were both the most injury-prone guys on the team. What college did they go to? Yo, I don't, I don't watch college <laughs> basketball in general. I couldn't tell you what college. The only player I could probably honestly tell you like who their college was is Michael Jordan. North Carolina. <laughs> did Brogdon go? Did they go to LSU? No. No, he went to Virginia. What? Oh, both of them did. No, no, no uh, Robert Williams went to the A and M, Texas. I, I only not, know that because of two K. Not, not to it go off, be like not these guys topic, but I just kind of watch college sports in general because like it's just so like raw, you know. Like you watch. Have you watched football? like any of the, the Colorado games with Dion? I have. Or, I've, these past two weeks kind of sucked because they've been getting yeah. clapped. Well, the USC game was cool, yeah. but. The one against Colorado State, that was insane. There are, like, it's entertaining, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's just, like... It's, it's just different. different. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, there's, there's a clear, there's a clear, like, skill, skill difference. Yeah, for, like, so many players that are there, because, yeah. like, 80% of the guys are not making it, you know? Yeah. And, like, True. when you watch, like, college football, for example, they're throwing 80-yard bombs, like, it's no issue. That's, you know? not, that's, <laughs> not, that's not exciting. <laughs> It's exciting, but it's just like, this is just not like, it's, <laughs> no, I get it's, it's, it's not actually going to happen, you know? Yeah, you know, it's not going to happen at the highest yeah, So that's why know? I'm saying, like, I, I just, like, can't be invested Also, in some college. of the big plays are happening because they're not the high-level players, you yeah. know? True. I mean, but who are we to say that, man? Yeah. We're the high-level podcasters, you know Hell yeah, saying? brother. But, um, you love them for us. Yeah, I do love them, but they were the most injury-prone guys on the team. We did yeah. trade for a glass center, don't get me wrong. I mean, he played the majority of the last season. I think he played like almost seventy games. Yeah. KP last yeah. year. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't. He was back to form, and I'm happy about with, that. He's just playing with Washington. That's why. Yeah, I think most of those like, yeah. if you went by he could have played and he's healthy, that definitely gets to seventy something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think what I think what the biggest concern on this roster was the lack of a third option. Mm-hmm. Because if you really thought about who that third option was on that team, I think most would argue it was maybe Derek White, like during a lot of the key points of the season. And that is just not, you know, that's not serviceable. Uh, It could have been Marcus Smart, maybe. It could have been any of those players on any given night, but the thing is, they they didn't have a third option. To add Chris Porzingis, even though that's not like what we're talking about, I think that is like one thing. And then to add Drew Holiday, who I think is like, pretty much a refined version of what Marcus Smart was for this team. Like, I think, you know, you don't necessarily lose a lot by getting rid of Malcolm Brogdon because that does slide Derek White into being, like, in mo- on most nights, like, just the fifth player on the floor or mm-hmm. the sixth man even, depending on how they want to run the floor. Um, yeah, I think this team is, like, definitely frightening for, like, most teams because there's just, like, not an answer for every single player on the floor at every given time. Yep. Um, but I do feel good about it. I do think, yeah, like there's going to be some question marks if, say, Al Horford gets injured or Chris Porzingis gets injured because then you're... Your front court's then, man. Yeah. Who's, who are the... Is it Sam yeah. Cornette? Luke, Luke Cornette. The Luke Cornette contest, right? Yes, sir. O'Shea oh, Brissett. I will say, like, yeah, the depth is, like, also another questionable issue. Yeah. But I think the thing is, the seven men they run through is, like, probably, like, the best seven men rotation 
True. Send a man rotation in the league. Yeah, well, I mean, this allows Peyton Pritchard to play some more important minutes, and I think yeah. he's also a very quality player. He dropped 60 in BC, yo. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I, I think, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Peyton Pritchard's a guy I think that can seriously play. He just hasn't been lucky enough with opportunity, yeah. which I think he's going to get with this team. Yeah, they were, like, they were flooded with point guards. Yeah, yeah 100%. But the thing with the Celtics that makes me interesting, like, that makes me interested is they do have a big three. They have a they have a big three that we can certainly say is a big three. It's Tatum, Brown, and Drew. Porzingis for me is a question mark only because we saw him do that with Washington. Yeah. So when he's in a winning scenario, can he number one stay healthy like you mentioned? Number two, can he reproduce? Like, can he like bring in some of last year's magic to the Celtics team? Right. And can he consistently be? that back line of defense and be that versatile offensive option for them. And at 7-4, he's going to have the opportunity to be a huge piece of the puzzle for the Celtics because I think what he does is going to complement so much of what Brown and Tatum do. Yeah. And, um, again, a big man who can spread the floor, who can actually play in the post, he can play on the screen and roll, can play in the pick and pop. Um, a guy who can, you can throw it down low if you want to. He's got the size and the length, and then you have that defensive ability. I think on both ends of the floor, he's, he's going to complement the wings really well. And I think we were talking about this a little bit. If Drew, if Drew ever gets beat down the floor, which is probably rarely, you're going to be met at the rim by Chris Stapp from Brzingis. Yeah, crazy. That's pretty, t- that's pretty tough. And so I think from a defensive standpoint, I think the Celtics improved a lot just from their personnel. But we also can't forget to consider the fact that losing Marcus Smart is a huge culture shift for them, too. That's, that's my big thing, because I think I'm just wondering who's going to be, like, the leader. Now, I was listening to, like, KG Certified, and they were saying, I think it's finally time for Jason and Jalen to step up. And, you know, I think they definitely have, you know, seeing how they've risen from, like, being kind of Kyrie's understudies or whatever it may be. But now... I think they're really going to take that full full step and we're going to see some magic for these boys. I think only thing I really have to say is, man, can you imagine a closing lineup of Drew, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and KP? That's not, that's not losing a lot of games. Cause I, that's not, I mean, like the, if I'm the Hawks, that might be a, that's an easy sweep. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't want to play Boston the first True. I don't shortest shortest guy in that, that – that five would be what? Derek White? Derek White. Drew, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, apiece. Can I just, they're they're going to be able to switch everything. They're going to be able to be, like, one of the most versatile teams in the league. Yeah, one through four is scary. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And KP is not a joke either, you know, don't get me wrong. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be a lot of, like, I think figuring out the pecking order. Yeah, 100%. And I, I see Drew as a guy who's going to, like, I think he could average like fifteen, five, and ten, because I, I think the dip in offense, like production-wise, counting stats-wise, is going to be there. But seeing his uptick as a playmaker is going to be great to watch. I would rather see, I would rather see the Bucks in the playoffs than I would the Celtics. Hell yeah, man! I would, I would it's rather, just tough to say right now, you know. I, I would rather play the Bucks. Than I think the I think it's right be now. The same as like right now, twenty twenty two, where that was kind of the final. Yeah, I think the Bucks and the Celtics honestly meet each other in the East this year. Uh, I think so, for sure. too. For sure. 
I think so. I don't think there's another team that's close to them in terms of caliber. Um, Philly's going to be gone. I mean, if you're talking about Max Struess being the key to the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think you've lost a plot. Um, hey, man. Give me, give me a modern dance. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there a team right now that's even closer than the East? To those two teams. I mean, we can't discount the Heat. Let's be honest. You know, like obviously. Hell yeah, we can discount yes, the we Heat. Can. What yes, are we, we talking can. about? Here? Yes, we can. Okay, okay. they that, lost. No, 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 no. Think, Hold about, on. think about what they <laughs> lost. Okay, no, no, no. Gabe Vincent, Max Strews. You're gonna you're gonna rely consistently on Duncan Robinson and Kyle. But here's the thing: like, we can talk about players all we want. NBA players at any caliber can be, you know, phenomenal. We we could we couldn't say before the season started last year that they would have made the like the finals. And granted, you know, they had a great run. Yeah. Ball bounced their way around. The thing I'll, is I'll always... the thing is that team has, in my opinion, the best coach in the NBA. They have one of the most disciplined players in the NBA. They have probably the top three center in the NBA. Like the thing is like they're not obviously a complete team, but they are like the most disciplined team in the NBA. I I think personally. I think it's just hard when they put all their baskets into getting Dame. Yeah. They lost out. Yeah, hundred percent. And they lost out on Drew because I was a big. I think if Drew went to the Heat, that would have been disgusting. But now when you look at like who's their starting, you're gonna rely on a 39 year old Kyle Lowry. You know who's their starting two. Tyler well, Hero, obviously. Tyler Hero's coming back, so I think you that's going to be... You got be... Martin, you got Jimmy Butler, you got Bam at the five. Their, their starting five is really good. Well, I, I, mean, I think what you're relying on, though, is like you saw Nikola Jovic have like yes, a lot of bright spurts say. in the World Cup, to which I think he can definitely have some of that. Jaime Hawkins, though, is a guy I'm really high on. Yeah. I, I don't think that this is another team that can pull off like a crazy run like they did last year. But I think they're a team that's going to definitely not be an easy win for sure. Yeah, I get, I get where, I get where what Chin is saying because of the fact that like Miami was a team like all the last year. What did I say last year? I said blow that shit up, man. Yeah. I said that all all year long last season, and they ended up making the finals from playing position. So like. These guys are NBA players. I think at you any know, point in time, you know, Adam Silver was gassed that a yeah, play yeah, team yeah. made it to for, the final for sure. Because then he can say that the play in tournament was successful. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, like the ball bounced their way. I think the culture had a lot to do with it. Yeah. If you talk about Miami Heat culture, do you see those ugly jerseys? Yeah. Did you see them, Chin? I don't think I've seen them. It literally yeah. says Heat, like in red, and then right below it, culture. Yeah, it's it's ugly. It's pretty bad. I, I I get what Shane is saying. Like at any point in time, I think Miami can make a run. I think any team can make a run. I mean, we saw with Sacramento last year. I mean, yeah, I don't know about the Hornets. <laughs> Here's the thing I'll say about that to counter that. Not to say like you're not wrong, like because any team could make a run. But I think the thing is, Miami is the only team that is like able to always constantly get it together somehow. Like in the last yeah. in the last while, like Gabe Vincent wasn't even a fucking starter in the NBA until last year. You know, like. He came out of nowhere. Max Drews came out That's of nowhere. True. Yeah, like they, they know how to find them gems. They do, and like even if they don't have the gems right on their team, they somehow like year in year out they produce like a new player that is doing something. You know, like I think no other team is replicating that right now. I think at some point the Golden State Warriors were, but they've kind of found their players and they're not necessarily looking to yeah. grow. 
Yeah. But I just think there's something special always happening in Miami. And I'm not saying they're going to be the best team in the East, but I think they've always been undercut every year just because, like, their roster doesn't look flashy, you know? Yeah, they manage to make – they manage to be competitive regardless of yeah. what they have. And, I mean, yeah, you're right because we didn't think that Miami was going to make the finals in 2020 in the bubble. And they absolutely did. Yeah, and they, they did. They made the finals in the last – twice in the last four years. Yeah, and That's they made the Eastern Conference finals three of the last yeah. four. They were one Jimmy shot away from it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I Chin speaking the truth in the sense that, like, True. this team is – I think Miami – the Miami Heat culture – their development system, their top-level coaching. They have all the pieces for them to be successful regardless of their talent or not. So it's just tough to see them the losing the players they did. I'll still be honest, yeah. you know. Yeah, like losing the players that they did, though, with with Struess and Gabe Vincent, yeah. like they were such key cogs to them, like being the type of team that they were because they were guys that were tough, that could hit the three. Like they were they – were, perfect fits around what Jimmy and Bam were. And they didn't really address those holes. They haven't addressed those current holes now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them throughout the season. I, I think that they'll be a very active team. I think um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they're going to be active for James Harden. Um, I don't know if there is going to be yeah. anything on you the way back. You think James Harden would survive heat culture, though? Absolutely not. The bottom you track, get picked apart, man. I, I mean... We know how we don't. We don't. I've never been to Miami, but we all know how Miami can get. Let's go get. But honestly, Miami if he on. if you could get disciplined and be put into that system and succeed, I think like they would be the best team in the East. So you add James Harden to it. Yeah, but that's only if he could like really learn to like play in like a system like that, you know. Yeah. Which James Harden has never proven, in my opinion. James Harden going to Miami would would make them a, a, a team on that caliber. If, yeah, and if you're getting like James Harden like as fully committed, yeah, yeah. fully committed James. That's the big. Yeah. But the, the problem is, I don't know if Philly would want that return because I think it would upset like I think it would upset Joel like right off the bat. Yeah, there's no way Joel would be it's, safe. Yeah, probably just be Tyler Hero. Yeah, maybe a first. Tyler Hero, maybe one of the young guys. Maybe Martin. Mm. I mean, like, if I'm Joel, I'm like, man, give me to New York. Yeah. If I'm Joel, give me to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> man. Let's be honest. Yeah, Joel's not going to Toronto. You don't want Joel to Toronto. You don't want that. You don't want that hope of an MVP level regular season just to fizzle out in the second round. My yeah, friend. I'm. I'm good on that. Like, I'm just. I'm just been so pissed off at the fact that like Toronto is so close every single time. Kevin Durant, so close, yet no cigar. Damian Lillard, they're front runners. Next thing you know, he goes to the freaking Bucks. And, like, here we are, like, talking about this again, coming into another season, and we've got fans talking about losing Fred Van Vliet was a good thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, losing a top free agent who is an NBA all-star is not a good thing. Yeah, they didn't lose him for anything, you know? Yeah, they didn't lose him for anything. They just lost him in the free agency. They just lost him in the free agency. That's not yeah, a good thing. I don't care what you say about fit and stuff like that, but... Yeah, you can't. You, you can't, can't do it's that, not, You didn't man. get anything back for him. Well, at, at least there's one silver lining. They're going to have a top 10 jersey. Top 10 jersey sale. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're going to have, um, you know, Precious Dick. Precious Achua and Grady Dick. Precious Dick is good. <laughs> I think, you know... Oh, what's that? Scott's what Precious that? Dick. No, <laughs> okay. I think we're reaching now. <laughs> oh my God, Scott's. 
crush. <laughs> Scotty Barnes, not a. Anyways. <laughs> Grady, Grady. Grady's one of the ones, man. All righty. Now that we've gotten through that, let's get into some fun topics. Who would you guys rather build your team around? Paulo Bancaro or Victor Wembanyama? Victor Wembanyama. Neither. Neither. What? Okay, yo, okay. Pick either of those two or choose a wild card. A wild card that had. Wait, okay, wait, no, because we have to, we have to like. Ooh, the wild card. Rico. The wild card has to be can we, someone. Can we say Scoot Henderson could be the wild card? Someone from the last two drafts, then. Wild card? Because Paul Bancaro's from last year. He's the first round pick last year. Victor is the first round pick this year. I'm taking Paulo. You're taking Paulo? Yeah. Why? Paulo? Paulo has the build of LeBron with a couple extra inches. Pause. But I think when you just look when he came into the league, there was no there was no lack of poise. He has mm-hmm. that X factor to them. He has yep. that dog mentality. I mean, he shows the ability to get into his bag. It wasn't necessarily falling at times. But the fact he has those abilities to take you off the dribble at that size, and the fact it's a lot more fluid than Victor's, because I think that's my big thing with Victor. I think we hear all the things that he has the handles of a guy and he's seven five, but like, if you're Drew Holiday, you're not gonna get cooked by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's the big thing with Wembenyama, I think. But Paulo's at that size where you can still be like very. I don't know if shifty is the right word, but you can have a bit of wiggle to your game without it being, mm-hmm. like, janky. And I think Paulo's going to develop into a guy that can be, like, a solid shooter. I think he shot, like, 25% from the three this year or something, or maybe that would have been one of his months. But, you know, I think he's a guy that has an NBA-ready body and just has all the tools to really, like, improve as a player and, you know, eventually turn into, like, a top five, top ten dude. I'd probably agree with that. I think it's not that Wembenyama won't ever be good, but if you really think about having to build a team around him, I think you automatically have to slot in a very good point guard for like that team to be successful. Good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Paulo Bencaro, I think you could slot in any any one through five. Yeah, because he, he can be. I think he can develop into a bit of a point forward for sure. Yeah, and I I think you can't say the same about Wembenyama. What I will say is, like, if you have the right players about around Wemby, then that team is ultimately maybe better in the future mm. than compared to Paolo. Because I think I compare Paolo to LeBron. And I compare Wemby to, I don't know, absolutely nobody right now. There's no one to compare to him. Yeah. yeah. I think he's, like, a new archetype to be introduced into, into the NBA. But I just think with his size, like, he is not – going to get the bulk of your points I think he's yeah. I think he's gonna be like maybe a walking triple double but I think in terms of like point creation I think he's in the low 20s compared to Paulo where mm. that could probably I think honestly in his like once he hits a certain point could like go 20 30 that, that's where I, I just see that type of build going you know yeah. you look at the Jason Tatums who are like huge like not point forwards not to say Jason Tatum is one but Jason Tatum is an example of a four or three like hybrid that is just like a walking bucket he's, yeah he's got the size he can yeah. play make the initiation and, like, and yeah and they get to the rim from from the top of the key you know yeah Wemby's gonna be 
like although he can play around the you know around the perimeter and get his threes like he's not taking you to the basket yeah anymore. I don't expect him to be like a he is not taking Joel to the three basket level guy. yeah yeah but yeah I could I, be wrong yeah I think Bancaro for me is a safe pick because of everything that you just but just listed. like the idea of what Wemby could be the reason why I want to take Wemby is yeah number one the idea I think. He already played high level basketball, showing it. I don't. I, I know people talk about like if it's going to translate to the NBA. Not every part of his game is going to translate to the NBA because it's just a different speed and yeah. there are different players and different schemes that can take that out. And the rules are a little bit different. But a guy that can do that stuff roughly, like be able to shoot from the rim, dribble the way that he does, and handle the ball the way that he does, he can clearly play make. And I think his biggest. His biggest asset is the fact that he is 7'4 and has such a high IQ on the defensive end that I think it's safe to say that he's already going to be a generational def- generational defender. Oh, yeah. And so if you're talking about generational defender, like I'm thinking about the likes of Kevin Garnett's. I'm thinking about the likes of the Dwight Howards of the world, mm-hmm. the Anthony Davises when they're healthy. Former Spur, Tim, yeah. Tim Duncan. <clears throat> Tim Duncan. And so that's why... It's so easy for me to take a guy like Wembenyama because if we look historically back at, at teams that have won the NBA championship over the last 10, 20 years, what do they all have in common? They all have some sort of anchor. That's uh, a good point. Right? They have some sort of anchor. And so whether that's last year, like Jokic was not, was not labeled a great defender, but what he was really good at doing was positionally defending the, uh, um, on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Like, it's position defending. He's really good at being at help when he needs to be. Like, if you're going to throw the ball down to the post to Joel Embiid and Jokic is guarding him, most of the time, Joel is going to get a bucket. But positional defending is really important. Having a high IQ and knowing where to be, like, that's what he would, that's what I think Jokic was really good at. And I think that's why they were so successful defensively, on top of the fact that they had a guy like Aaron Gordon. A guy like KCP, Bruce Brown, guys who can defend multiple positions. So it's easier to build around a guy who understands positional defense and can be generational defensively because once you have that pat down, everything else from a team-building aspect is easy. Like, Bankero is great, but we see Tatum. We, we, we turn the conversation to Tatum because I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of guys you can compare it to. You can, yeah. there's, there's, you can compare him with Tatum a little bit. Looking at Tatum... It's harder to build a team around him in the sense because, yeah, you need a great wing on your team also to be a great, like, to be a great team, to be, to be a championship team. But, again, looking back at all the, all the, the one thing that's common is there's a defensive anchor. Mm-hmm. Look at Brooke Lopez, look at Giannis, look at, um, Draymond. look at Draymond. You go back to, um, Anthony Davis, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka. Kawhi Leonard, uh, 18, you go back to literally the same thing, Draymond, Draymond, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, Chris Bosh, um, Tyson Chandler. I mean, we can go back and forth, Andrew Bynum, Pau Gasol, like anchors, anchors. And it's so like, for me, that's easy to build around. And then Wembenyama has everything else in the offensive end, um, which I think can complement great players. Hey, so, might have swayed me there, yeah. That's 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 my con- that's my argument. Yeah, because I, I, I love I love Bankero. Don't get yeah. me wrong, 
but I just want to see what Wemby looks like with like 20, 30 more pounds on him. Yeah. And the, mind you, that argument is based purely on like no real fact, but like what we seem to be projecting him to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think Wemby's going to be for sure generational in the fact that, I mean, have you seen the, the brother stretch? Yeah. He's exactly flexible as hell. Yeah, well, I, I do, I do buy into the fact that that will prevent some injuries, but yeah, I, I think the big thing is just the fact that what happens when he goes up against like a Joel Embiid or these guys that have like a similar level of skill, but have the size to like back you down. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't really have much more to say. It's, I think it's hard to say right now. I'm True. not. I haven't bought in until I think I see him play too. Much. I mean, to look at how, how y'all feeling about the Spurs this year because their roster is like kind of cool. It's a cool. It's a cool roster. Yeah. I'll say it's a cool. It's a cool one. They're it's so still fun. far from it in my opinion. For sure, yeah. but I, I mean, they're t- you they're got Trey Jones, Devin yeah. Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Zach Collins probably starts as like your actual five. Five, and yeah. Wemby's your four, and then your bench you got a lot of young guys: Malachi Branham, Blake Wesley. Uh, Jeremy Sohan. I, I think there is going to be nights where, like, let's say Zach Collins needs a breather. You're, we're going to see some nights where Wemby's, I think, the de facto five, and Sohan's, like, there being, like, a P.J. Tucker kind of role. If anything, Sohan, I think, probably eventually slides into the starting role. Just, I can see that, Just too. for the it's potential fourth, yeah. on yeah. the team. Zach yeah. Collins has been around the NBA. He's a guy, yeah. I think, if you're, like, a team that you're looking around – Who's got like some vets? Team. Yeah. If they want to now, like Wemby at the five, Sohan at the four, Keldon at the three, Vassell at the two. It doesn't look bad. Devin Vassell. That's a fun. That's a fun roster. I think. I think their. I think their ceiling is about twenty-two wins. But like, <laughs> you don't think they can break? The, actually, yeah, even. Three. I think this is about a twenty-two. Twenty-two, twenty-five. Yeah. Looking at the Western Conference this year, like if we really think about it, like uh, this might be dropping into another one of your topics, but. Who are the top eight in the West? Let alone, like, top eight. Yeah, who are your top eight? Order, you got Denver, Golden State. Both LA teams. Both LA's. Dallas. Dallas, for sure. Memphis. The Pelicans. Pelicans. OKC, you got to throw in there for sure. I think OKC is in the top eight. Sacramento. Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento. That's ten teams oh, right there. Yeah, I can't <laughs> ten teams. Sacramento. Yeah, Even Sacramento. Sacramento. They're saying Sasha Vezenkov, or however you say it. They're saying he's a lot better than like what the tape shows. You're adding that guy to that squad. You yeah. Could throw him in when Kevin Herter's having a bit of a stinker. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's like it's it's hard for me to see that the the Spurs are going to be any better than 22 wins or. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think they're going to catch very many wins this year, especially against their conference, because I think even Houston will take a, a pretty big lead I think this Minnesota's year. still a better team than, than oh, yeah, we didn't even, I was really? trying to measure Minnesota. Yeah. I think the, the, the Western Conference is still the deepest deepest conference True. by far. And so it's it's tough. That's interesting. You think Minnesota will be better than Houston this year? Oh, of course. Minnesota than really? Houston? Minnesota? Over really? Houston? Yeah. What, what, okay, what, what makes you think Houston's going to be better than Minnesota? I think Fred on this roster is really good. I think his fit on this roster is really good. I think what I consider to make, to say Minnesota is going to be the better team is that there's only 
like literally a handful of players that you could say can become a top five player, and Anthony Edwards is one of those players. Yeah. Wait, I'm an idiot. Forgot they have cat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, forget my conversation. Where do you go, baby? Forget my, are, forget are my conversation. Gonna, are we gonna forget about? Forget my conversation. One of the best wings, McDaniel's. McDaniel's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I will say though, scratch that from the team. The Rockets. Scratch that from the team. Rockets, Rockets have a, that's another good, good but roster. But that's what I'm saying. It's like I really like the fit of Fred. Like I don't like, think there's any team in the league that really has like no hope. If that makes sense. The Detroit Pistons, maybe. I think, what? I think, Cade, I think the Thompson. Charlotte Hornets have no hope, personally. Actually, really? the Hornets, yeah. I think the Even Hornets if LaMelo is a bright spot. LaMelo is a bright spot. LaMelo is one of the ones. <laughs> LaMelo, like, I feel like he hasn't even been in the NBA. <laughs> LaMelo La, 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 La is like the two days out of 365 for our time. Oh, Antarctica and Abbey Sunrise. He's so, the only bright spot on that team. Y'all yeah. think Brandon Miller is going to be like the bust from this draft? 100. No, I think... You think so? <laughs> I don't know. Really? I think so. Oh, you think so? I don't he's think he's a, a complete bust. But I think... You think he's not going to be as good as he's touted? I, yeah, I don't think he's... I feel like it's going to be an Aiden type of thing where it's like... Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. You always have that choice of Scoot or even like James Wiseman to where like he could be like a serviceable guy, but because he's not the guy, it's yeah. going to be looked at as a bad pick. He's going to be a cool 16. In the future, that's fine. Future, I think that's. I mean, I think he's gonna have like a shaky rookie season just because mm-hmm. you're getting Miles Bridges back. Yeah, you got Terry there still. I got Lamelo's not a very pass first point guard. What's your question? Do you really think you would consider taking Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson because of fit? Because. That was the stupidest. No, no, no. No, that was. Stu- that was because are you really saying Scoot and Lamelo couldn't I play think, together? No, I think everybody <laughs> no. just got fascinated by the fact that Lamelo could throw like some crazy dimes. And we're looking at like how he's operated in the past. He's been more of like a combo guard. Yeah. I mean, you look at like the Chino Hills team, which was, I mean, I don't really care about high school basketball, especially in the states. But I mean, yeah. when you looked at that team, he was more like the two. You know, when you get to, like, when he's not with his brothers, then, yeah, he's had to be more of a facilitator. But there's no – he has, like – he has such a shake and a, such a twitch and wiggle to his game to where there's no way he couldn't be, like, off more ball. of, like, a two and off yeah. ball. Yeah. 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 I think that was just an insane thought. I, I think there's just, thing. like, a big – I think we're starting to see a shift to where we're seeing, like, these guys that, oh, man, 6'9", six, 6'8", has handle that's kind of your money zone like everybody's saying oh we want the next paul george paul george is my goat kind of thing but yeah no i brandon miller was an absolute dog in alabama but still the stupidest pick yeah i I still think you you take scoot 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 on any other year is the number one pick in any draft true and you just don't i i just find it so stupid that you skip out on two number one picks like if you're Charlotte, you don't get Wemby, you take Scoot. You don't you don't get Scoot, you take Wemby, like whatever the freak it is, man. You don't take Brandon Miller yeah. for fit. It's the stupidest thing. Charlotte has no fit. There's no there's nothing to fit about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the only guy you worry about is the mellow ball, but like that guy can play three if you wanted to. He's six eight. Like, come on. Like they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're not looking for anything yet, you know? Like they add one piece no matter what. They're not a good yeah. team still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still no, I think that's the one team that absolutely has no hope. Really? I personally think they have no hope. Charlotte, I think Charlotte's the one team with no hope. 
I think so too, honestly. Who in the West would have no hope? Every team's got got a chance. Who is like who are like the bottom besides Houston? OKC was near the bottom. No, 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 no. no, no. OKC, OKC was, was in the plan. Um, if I'm oh well, obviously you have well the, Utah Jazz, but they're going to be solid this year too. Utah right? is a team I'm really high on. Utah's going to be fun. Keontae George. Keontae George is holy. Is one of the more apparently he's balling right now in training camp. Yeah, he and being able to learn from Jordan Clarkson. <sighs> Keontae George, man, I wish he. Could. Taylor Hendricks too. We didn't get to see him yeah. in summer league, but like he projects to be like. One of those six nine do it all yeah. kind of guys. This was a deep draft class. Draft class. Oh yeah, but it's hard to say right now. Like the West. Like look at the, let's look at the standings. Like there's only the Charlotte Hornets. Man, I'm trying to have hope, but like yeah, y'all y'all gotta talk me down from it. What you think? You think the you think the Charlotte Hornets have help? Have hope? Yeah, because they got Lamelo Ball. That's one player. True. True. Who knows? Maybe Miles Bridges comes back this year and just like Miles Bridges is yeah, not going to be the, the world. Miles Bridges is not going to be their savior. Nah. Well, the Spurs, I think, is the team that has no hope next year. But the um, thing is, they got the potential. They do have the potential, but I just don't think that's going to play out. Okay, so they're the bottom five were the Spurs, the Rockets, the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Mavericks. I think the Blazers are still going to be a twenty-five up team. Yeah, I mean the Blazers finished Blazers. With, 30, with thirty-three wins, and they were the third worst team in the West. Like that's that's a pretty competitive. Yeah, and I think as far as the Blazers go in terms of roster, they have the most like assets to just like throw out. You know, like, yeah, like they could throw out any of their like starting centers or like frontman rotation and get get, get Cooper Flag to Portland, baby. Yeah, they can get a lot of things back for sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not tanking this year, but next year, whew. Because yeah, I think because Cooper reclassified, so I think he is yes. not this year's but next year's draft. If we're looking at if we look at the East, like I think the Wizards are probably dropping. They were twelfth last year. I think they're the fourteenth. Uh, yeah, I the guess twi- the Wizards, the Wizards might are going to be like. I think Jordan averages thirty, but they they. I think he's the new Brad there. Beal over there. Damn, he I guess the Wizards maybe I'd put close to the Hornets. Yeah. But. I think the Hornets and I think Hornets are fifteenth in the in the East. I think the Wizards are fourteenth in the East. Do y'all think Kyle Kuzma's a guy that could like be traded around deadline? Yes. Yes. I think absolutely I think too. he I think he re signed simply to, to get the largest sum. Yeah. And then I think when Washington starts to realize that they can't win with what they have, I think they ship him out to Sacramento for some young guys. Ooh. Kyle Kuzma on that team would be nasty. That's what I'm saying. I think he should have signed with Sacramento from the first place. For sure. We were talking about this. Like, yeah. I think Kuz was the one sleeper free agent that I think could have made a huge impact on any team he signed with this year. He stayed with Washington because he's trying to watch out for his chickens. So I think, like, you know, I think he made the right decision for him personally. But from a basketball standpoint, you got him playing D.C. with Jordan Poole. Yeah,やいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいやいや
you have Nikola Jokic with Hakeem's defense, or you have Giannis with Dirk's bag slash shooting. I think it's Nikola Jokic. Tough because, yeah, Jokic is a guy who's already like he's not a slouch defensively, but you give him one of like the best defenders of all time, like his tools. I think it's got to be Giannis with Dirk shooting. All right, all right, debate it out because you know, I'm gonna be I would be biased, but okay. So, the reason why, okay, so I was leaning Jokic and Hakeem because Jokic is already the full package defense, and then you add the defense, and Hakeem is like a defensive player of the year, like kind of player. But Giannis is already a high-level playmaker, super athletic, can initiate the offense, can get to the rim. He can create for others. He's got size at 6'11 with a positive wingspan, and he's already a DPOI, and he's already an all-defensive player year in and year out. Mm. And the one knock on his game has always been his ability to shoot. So does that not make him the perfect player? Because Jokic, from the standpoint, is he's a full package, but I think the one thing that deters him is you can never play him as a four or three like you can with Giannis. Well, I mean, that's that's the debate that on the other end, though, is Hakeem's defense. Yeah, so that's like you get his perimeter and his interior, interior, and I would say like... Hakeem's not a perimeter like, defender. Well, I think a lot of that goes into the fact that he's laterally quick. I mean, yeah. But I'm not saying he's, like, locking down, like, but guards are, or anything. Yeah, but, okay, are you really going to – so if, if you put – let's say you put Kyrie Irving in front of you right now. Who are you trusting to guard him more, Giannis or Hakeem Olajuwon? No, 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 seriously, though. Are you asking Hakeem – Are you if, if Kyrie were in front of you right now and they had the possession final Both five of them seconds. Is, is Hakeem wearing the chucks or whatever he wore back <laughs> oh, in the day? Or does he have modern tech? Okay, we're not talking about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Are you really taking Akeem over Giannis defensively? No, I'm taking Giannis. I think that's really hard to measure. Versatility? I'm saying, true. I'm saying Giannis is a faster player, but Hakeem, I think, is the most intelligent defender of all time. Like, mm. I, I think mm, that's good for his size be. and being, like, what he was, because he, he was, like, a, you know, like a prototypical center. He wasn't a Giannis by any measure, but he was like an unstoppable force. And in, in the way that Giannis is just not in the same aspects of movement, you know, like he was just like a high IQ defender. Yeah. Hakeem's one of the ones that I think you could put in any era and he'd like succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where my argument will come. I think the thing is you said Giannis is a, like a great distributor, Jokic is probably the best distributor in the center position of all time. Yeah, no, there's no argument there. No argument there. His offensive game obviously is slow, but I think it's already been proven he gets his buckets no matter what he where he is. I th- I think like there's been you know the conversation of if if he's even the best offensive center of all time, just from the like impact like standpoint because you know the amount of buckets he contributes to having like games where he can put up 20 assists a night like that's unheard of of a center ever you know like the offensive game also comes from contributing to the game too and so if you give him then like one of the best defenders of all times defense 
he is also the perfect player. He might not be as fast as Giannis, but like, or, or as athletic, and as athletic, athletic shit, but but then he is just like he is like the only player you almost need on the team at that point, you know. Yeah, it's very difficult to measure this. Yeah, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah, sure, They're sure, both sure. good players. I, I would, I could both, argue both would be like probably the go. Yeah, like yeah, both uh, absolutely. Like, it'd be hard to it, it'd be a toss up at that point. Yeah. I think it really depends on what measurements we're looking at. Like, if you were to make athleticism a really big part of this argument, of course, yeah, then you would take Giannis. But if you're talking about like from the center position and their ability to do everything they did, they do, right? Given the attributes that they have. Like, I would say Jokic is already the more complete player than Giannis is. And if you add, like, these different elements, I guess, like, Jokic would be the better player because, I mean... This is a tough conversation. Right? I mean, yeah, it depends. I guess, like, where do you rank Jokic and Giannis it's like, currently, too? It's like, do you want... 20, 20, and 20 with two blocks, or do you want 40, 20, and 10 with, like, two, oh, two blocks, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Giannis, will, Giannis will for sure give every team 40, but... With Dirk's level shooting? Oh, yeah, there's no 100%. doubt. But then... So how do you guard that, even? But then Jokic, like, then becomes, like, yeah, 20, 15, and 15 player every night with, like... Six blocks or something. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, two steals? Like, it's kind of just, like... What do you want? He's a, uh, wreaking havoc on both ends. 100%. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I know. That's a fun one. That's a, that, that's, that's, that's a stalemate for sure. Yeah, for right sure. there. All righty. Well, let's get into a little bit of Blacktop Showdown. So if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, we got this little thing called BTS or Blacktop Showdown. So typically goes each person has three players. And of those three, you just got to make your case. You normally go one up by one. So let's say I got Anthony Simons and my opponent has, who's another guy that's like, Devin Vassell. You got to debate why your player is the better player. You could say, you know, Anthony Simons has a crazy bag. His range, his ability to shoot off the dribble, all that good stuff. Or you can even say, man, Devin Vassell's a bitch. That's why every Simons is the man. That's the argument just, of the year. It could be whatever. <laughs> you just gotta make your you just gotta make your uh, your argument. It's not about who's like actually better counting stats wise, contextually, whatever it may be. It's just about who makes the better argument and how we're gonna do it. I got these little stacks. It's not actually Pokemon cards. There's players on here. So you know some basketball cards. Pokemon cards. And we're gonna draw three. So how I'm gonna do it? Since like our table is a little slim, I'm gonna just like have, like, it watch out. Watch us have like Luca, uh, Luca. There's, uh, there's Jamal Crawford. <laughs> no, no, no. They're all like I think generally like top fifteen, top ten cut type of players. So there's not like any duds. There's a couple wild cards in there. So we'll see if anybody draw right. those. I think because we're in Ruben's house. Ruben, start us off, bro. We'll go. I'm going to shuffle this a little bit. Yeah, 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 do you actually announce who Should we pick up? We can announce it after. We'll do our picks first and then. All right. Yeah. So we'll go one by one. So pick one. Yeah, then Chin. All right, back to you, Rube. Oh, I picked three each. Yeah. All right. 
you think we should do it where we don't look at stats at all? Yeah, I feel like we should, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're here. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, normally right. when we do this, like, online, you have the ability to go to your basketball reference or whatever, but here... We, gonna do we just got to talk about the player as yeah, is. I, I, I face face yeah. value. I, 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 yeah, I like that. Yeah, do you right. have your third? All right, we're doing this. I'll just take this one right here. All right. <laughs> All Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh my god. Okay, let's start. Oh, yo. We should do a three on three. Three on three. Should we just go threes? I'm down for that. Yo, go threes right now. All right, Ruben, announce your three. All right. So my three is at the, at the, at the, I guess we'll go at the one, two, three. At the wall, at the guard position, we've got Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. Ooh. At the, uh, the forward position, we've got Mr. Luka Doncic. Oh. And at my big position, I've got Mr. Anthony Davis. Oh, interesting. Okay. Change who you got. All right, at my guard position, I got Paul George. Oh. At my, I guess, wing position, forward, I got none other than Jason Tatum. Oh. And for my center, the most complete player of all time. Nikola Jokic. Dirty. <laughs> Alrighty. No. For me, I got at my guard the greatest point guard of all time. Jason Kidd. John Stockton. Stephen Curry. Oh my God. I don't have a big, but my two wings. I got one of the greatest mid range shooters of all time, DeMar DeRozan. Oh, DeMar DeRozan. And at my other wing. The biggest emo on the block, Mr. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Butler. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So since this is our first time doing it, just our threes, should we say, because typically how it goes is you have two rounds, you get a minute each. Do a minute 30, maybe? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. So we're going to do a minute 30. You just right. got to make a case for why your team would dog the other teams. Anybody want to volunteer to go first? I'll go first. I'll all go right, first. All right. Ruben. Making an, an argument for Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> you look at my team. Luka Doncic <laughs> and Anthony Davis. <laughs> In three, Ooh. two, one, go. Oh, my team is going to dog both of them. Why? Because we have two of the most explosive offensive players in the league today. Donovan Mitchell, who put on a big 70-piece this past season. Donovan Mitchell can attack the rim from anywhere on the floor. He can hit the shot from anywhere on the floor. He can create for others, which I think is going to be great for this format. I think with his ability to attack the rim and put pressure on the defenses is going to open up for a lot of guys like Luka when he has the ball, when he's off ball, and then Anthony Davis, who's a threat anywhere on the floor as well. I think this is the most versatile offensive team. When they've got the ball in possession, you can give Luka the ball. We all know what he can do with his bag. He can go to the post as a big forward, as a big guard. He can attack the rim, shoot from the outside, and then you come in here with the catalyst, Anthony Davis, and is a big man who can defend the rim, can play versatile defensively and offensively. There's a lot of switchability here. At least Anthony Davis can cover those two guys and then also protect the rim. And I really like what Anthony Davis can do with this style of play with these two guys is he can play up-tempo in the half court on a blacktop game, and um, he can play fast, he can play outside, he can play inside. 
I think there's, again, the biggest thing with this team is versatility. And it's really hard to guard guys who could do everything from the floor everywhere. All righty. Shane, you want to go next? Or you want to go last? I'll leave it up to you. Mm, I can go next. Okay. Christian making this case for Paul George, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Jokic. Three, two, one, go. All right. So here's what I see in my team. I see the best facilitator in the NBA. A player that scores at will, even if he might be the slowest player in the NBA. I see Jason Tatum personally the best wing in the NBA right now. Nah, bro. Come on. Like, let's put our biases aside. He is the best wing in the NBA right now. And we have Paul George, who, like, is undisputably one of the biggest bags of all time when it's all said and done, first of all. And, you know, like, in no sense at all, a slouch on defense. He's probably, you know, honestly, looking at every player on this floor, in all respect to Anthony Davis, who's probably the best defender, he is probably the, the second best defender out of all these players here. Jimmy Butler, case to be made. But let's be honest, Paul George is a dog. What I will say, <laughs> what I w- really will say, Where's Kirby at? is that here's the thing. We got Luka Doncic, defensive liability. We got Wardell, Stephen Curry. He is not guarding these guys. What I will say is I have a big man. DJ has maybe got Jimmy Butler who might run around Nikola Jokic. But I, I can't speak on these three players only because these three players are complete in most aspects for their respective positions in the NBA. Damn. What time left to go? A few seconds left there. time left to go? Okay. All righty. Making my case for Wardell. Making my case The, the loudest silence. <laughs> <laughs> DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler. Three, two, one. All right. I may not have a big one, but what I do have is undoubtedly the biggest dog of all time in the NBA, Jimmy Butler. We all know the story, you know, from Humboldt, Texas. You see him there cooking. Look at that. Look at that. Jimmy oh, Buckets. Jalen Brown, he can't go left. Anyways, Jimmy Butler, undoubtedly one of the biggest dogs in the NBA. I mean, when it comes to how competitive he is, the growliness he plays with, the rawness, it's all there. Jimmy Butler, big bag. Whether it's the middies, whether it's getting to the rim, he can do it all. DeMar DeRozan, we talk about Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. What can Michael Jordan do? Shoot the mid-range. What does DeMar DeRozan do? Shoot the motherfucking mid-range. You know, we don't need him to play defense. I just need him there to get buckets. And now we got the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme, the greatest NBA offensive weapon of all time. Wardell Stephen Curry, you know, three is better than two. Whether we're playing twos or ones, two is better than one. Stephen Curry, there's nobody that can match him here offensively. Mm. Absolutely nobody. And if we can talk about guarding, nobody here is guarding Steph. When it comes to off ball, I got some guys who can set some screens. I got some guys who can get some buckets. All of the above. You know, what were we talking about here? Paul George, eh, Jason Tatum. What has he ever done? Nikola Jokic, yeah, he's cool, but he's not really going to be in the post trying to, like, bang with these guys. Donovan Mitchell, that 70 piece is a little fruity. Everybody else? Trying to call 70 piece fruity? <laughs> oh, damn. I got a 70 piece in general. 70? That was not a real. Because let's damn. think about it like this. Did we, did we think about that lane violation? 
Damn, brother, we really want to do this. 68-point game. It's a 68-point game. That, that, yeah, that lane violation is the one that sent it to overtime. It would have lost. Oh, my God. All right, all right. All right, let's say, what, a minute to rebuttal? I think we can do 30 seconds. Okay. I think 30 seconds is still solid. All you need, okay, Ruben, rebuttal. Three, two, one, go. So in terms of size, I think Anthony Davis is absolutely eating up Jimmy Butler on any possession right there. I think size alone, I think my team has got it over TJ's. On the other side, I think there is going to be some trouble defensively, but again, I think explosiveness is, is I'm going to take the cake here, and also obviously efficiency as well. These are guys that are all proven playoff performers. On the other side, Tatum has crapped the bed. Uh, Paul George is calling playoff P. Are you sure about that? And Jokic is the only performer on that team. Okay, Christian, rebuttal. It's over. <laughs> oh, three, two, one, go. All right. Here's the thing. My team, overall, best shooting between the three teams. Best defense between the three teams. You could say Anthony Davis might be better than Nikola Jokic, but the last NBA Finals or NBA Western Conference Finals debunked that. Best facilitator on my team. I, I don't even need to speak anymore. I'll let the eight seconds run. <laughs> That's how confident I am in that. You guys cannot argue against what that. What though? Hey man. Hey, God what damn. are we doing here? Alrighty. Yo, <laughs> yo, I wish we could do a live show so we have live voting. That'd be hilarious. Get us, yo, yo that'd be One sick, day. yo. Okay. The polls have changed. <laughs> yeah. Rebuttal for me. Three, two, one. Let's talk about this. Wardell Stephen Curry has never choked in his life. DeMar DeRozan has never choked in his life. Jimmy Butler has never choked in his life. Nikola Jokic and Jason Tatum, nothing. Paul George, nothing. I have the best shooter of all time. What are we talking about? Two is better than one. Three is better than two. You're not stopping this man, DeMar DeRozan. When it comes to middies, nobody's matching him. Jimmy Butler, middies. Uh, driving, whatever you want. Nobody's matching him. So normally what happens is... <laughs> <laughs> See, what happened was... It's, it goes normally between one-on-one. -on -one, but because it's all three of us making our case, we can't really like... But we can do what we did last time. We right? can all vote for one other person, not okay. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's start with Ruben. Who are you going for? I'm, I'm a well, I can't choose ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a real I, chin. I think I got chin. I got chin. That eight second bullshit. No, I think I think his <laughs> argument was like it was very sound argument. Yeah, true, true. It was very sound argument. I I, I don't know. I just had the heart of the cards too. If you found yeah, if that you was a pretty solid. If you like found a way to to talk about your size not being an issue. Because I think your focus is purely on the offensive side. But yeah. if you figure out a way to be like, I thought, Steph I think as soon as I as I flipped rate. it, and I saw I had no big, I was like, oh, fuck, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, I get that. <laughs> Especially when each other guy's got AD and Jokic. Maybe for the next one, we'll we'll sort it so that we have like them by position at least. Yeah. yeah. See, like I look at mine, I felt mine was like, damn, I got two defensive liabilities, bro. I don't know, like Anthony Davis is gonna <laughs> like it's like one on three defensively. I swear. Yeah. Ooh, I guess I'm the cider. Well, who do you pick? Since I picked you, it'll be, it makes sense yeah. for you to pick. Come on now. 
I think in this scenario, I actually am going to pick DJ's team. I like the idea of talking about Wardell stepping Curry as the best offensive weapon of all time because he doesn't get those flowers, and I agree with that uh, narrative, mostly because objectively it's, it's, it's like pretty close to true. You know, it, it'd be a debate to be had, obviously, but I think the way DJ talked about the offense and prowess in the team made the team it's two sides of the ball, man. Damn. But I do agree. Like, hey, do you really need the two sides if you got an offensive weapon as opposed to Stephen <laughs> Man, Curry? if you're big man Jimmy Butler and then you got two small guys can't If guard. it's you keep the ball, nobody's nobody's. Man, DeRozan, DeRozan's got a, off a field goal percentage of 25%. In the DeMar DeRozan house. broke a record that Will Chamberlain had. <laughs> Has LeBron done that? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Has DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know... Choked in the playoffs when you said, Hey, DeMar doesn't choke in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and looked at each other like, What? Yeah, bro, that was hilarious. He hasn't choked because he hasn't had the chance to the past oh. few years. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and there were a couple wild cards. One of them, for example, would have been if you go to draw like Phil Jackson. Yeah, I had Phil Jackson. Oh, you picked someone uh, from his team? You can pick anybody they've ever coached. Oh, fuck it. Oh, so I'm going to pick, Phil. like, bro, you know, I'm going to pick. Scott I'm going to pick Derek Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, anybody that's ever been coached by Phil Jackson. Oh, give me, uh, oh, give me Luke Longley. Give me Pablo Prigioni. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pablo Prigioni. I, I think he was on that Knicks team. That Yo, okay, name three nostalgic names right now in the NBA. Rudy Fernandez. Damn, yeah. Uh, yeah, Pablo Prigioni is on my mind, so I'm going to say him. And then Mario Hazonia. Mario Hazonia. <laughs> Three nostalgic names not right like, now. Not like household like, names. You, you pick them and you're like, oh, that dude was a dog. Like, All right. Let me really think. Raw Neto? Neto? And then that's still playing no. though. <laughs> true, true. He was a dog back in his day. Yeah. Um, I'll say, because I think if you're not from here in Toronto, you honestly will never think of his name, Jose Calderon. Yes, sir. Oh, Jose, Jose Calderon. Does he still have the... The record for the highest free throw percentage in a season? I think so. I think so. 98%, right? Yeah. That was insane. I think so. Oh, man. This is hard. I'm just trying to think of the deepest cuts I can think of right now. Yeah. Bro, I live on these. I, I can give you like 10. Give us 10 up. Yeah, I can give you 10. What, what, is, what the fuck is his name from that one year the Nets were fun? Is it Timothy Le... Oh, oh Luaro Cabrero. Cabrero. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. even, I don't even know his fucking name. <laughs> yeah, bro. Timothy Luaro Cabrero. I'm not going to lie. That's a top five NBA name, man. Yeah. Timothy Luaro Cabrero. That is a top name. That's a top name right there. <laughs> All right, what are you <laughs> Ricky Davis. Ricky oh, Davis. Daniel Booby Gibson. Oh, Booby. Chris Kamen. Chris Kamen. Andres Biedrins. Oh. Uh, Corey Maggetti. Luis Gola, I think. Yeah, Gola. Catino Mobley. Players that are lost in history. Rafer Alston. Catino's still playing in the he big is. three. Uh, Rafer Alston. Oh, yeah. Let's get some um, ooh, 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 We're reaching some heavy ground here. Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes. Uh, a Kenyon Martin, even though his son is playing in the league now, but Kenyon Martin. And uh, let me see if I can think about, like, a really tough one here. Um, Luke Ridnour. Oh. <laughs> 
Luke Ridley. Yeah, I'll give you 10 right there, Seattle bro. Sonic legend. And Nick Collison. Nick Collison, man. Yeah, if y'all couldn't tell, we got a little bobblehead here for our set. I mean, franchise legend. Yeah, Numbers bro. retired in the rafters. Man, this is a sick live, sick live episode, man. This is True. Today, I mean, yeah, as we're winding down, this is so much fun. Damn, man. Gotta First of many. First sure. of many. Yes, sir. For sure. Any last things y'all want to add? Um, man, I hope Toronto figures some stuff out. I hope they either sign Siakam to an extension or they trade him. Because I do not like the stuff that's coming out about him. Uh, I don't know. I don't really like the direction they're going in. And I will say this for all Raptors fans. Yes, I think Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, we should definitely have a conversation about them moving forward. You know, they, they, did, they did what they had to. But now I think it's, it's time for... Well, I mean, new blood, this maybe. is the problem I have. Masai Ujiri goes to the media and he goes, you know, our, our uh, pursuit for Damian Lillard was sensationalized by the media. Then Bobby Webster goes into an interview and says that well, we made our biggest offer we ever had for a player. So how can your president and your GM have two completely different answers? Just saying. So someone's lying or clearly someone's not on the same page with someone else. So... Toronto, figure your stuff out, man. I don't like watching this stuff no more. Otherwise, I'm going to cheer for the Bucks. Hey. Go <laughs> to the side, brother. <laughs> or I can cheer for the Celtics. Actually, I can't. I can't, I can't cheer for the Celtics. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> it's okay. That's understandable. I got nothing bad to say about the Celtics, to be honest. Of course you can. Neither of you, neither of you guys have anything I'm, bad to say about your teams, man. Frick. Hey, if Celtics win, I can claim Drew. That's true. That's true. My last Damn. thing to say, Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, greatest PNR of all time. Haven't even played yet. Bruh. Better than Stockton and Carmelo? Yeah, fuck those guys. Oh, my goodness. Stockton and Malone can never get over the hump. I mean, that's fair. If they win a chip, it might be. Uh, Murray and Jokic? I don't think there's too much. Like, there's I, not I too much PNR. I think more yeah. DHOs, right? And a lot yeah. more, um, yeah, lacked a lot more off curls, I would say. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think pure PNR, I would say Malone and Stockton is still probably like one. The best one. But Dame, Dame and Giannis could definitely, I think longevity also depends. Yeah. I, I, they're, de- they're definitely not going to have the longevity game, but I think just the idea of it. Efficiency, if they can, be. if they can like seriously convert off those oh, yeah. more than another team, then. There you go. Like, if they both averaged at least, like, 27, 28. Yeah. Confirmed. But with that, stay safe, stay blessed. We'll see y'all soon. Back shots, back shots. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.